Hey, how are you doing? How are we all? I hope you're well. I hope you're good. I feel like we might be we might be moving towards something a little a little more like human experience, sharing one another in a real world. But I don't want to get bogged down with that. I want to say thank you to our sponsors. I know we can't use them yet, but you can use cryotherapy at Lincoln Cryolab as from the fourth which I believe is, is that tomorrow? What day is it now? Is it the 4th today? As I'm recording this, it is Thursday the 4th today. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. I've just been for a run. Find me on Strava. Sam Souls representing Tudor Chat Podcast. If you're on Strava, give us a strike. Give us a follow. We'll say hello um, and know that we're all out there doing a bit together. <clears throat> but yeah, it's 7 o'clock in the morning on the 4th. So as of today, you can go cryo. So code, code word Chew, 10% off. You can float at, at uh, Lincoln Cryo Lab as well. They've got Lincoln Float Centre there as well. As for Kieran and Go Deep, um, he's not open at the moment. He's um, hanging back, but you can listen to his episode, which was a smasher. Both episodes um, a couple of weeks ago, one with Kieran, one with Matt from um, Kieran, obviously, respectively, from Go Deep and Matt from Cryolab. Brilliant episodes, really dig into the information and what's what it's all about with cryo and with floating. And at this time, when you are reminded that the government are wiping your ass for you because they want you to be healthy they want you to live a wonderful smashing life uh, my advice would be make those decisions for yourself you know do the work yourself it might mean you have to have a good old look at yourself and think fuck yeah i'm a bit lazy i'm not doing what i should do i know i shouldn't eat that donut at 10 o'clock last night i know i shouldn't but whatever the fuck just do it for yourself just do it for yourself all the good shit comes from that so code word chew Get your 10% off both of those. But in the meantime, just Google it, have a read or have a look and, uh, you know, give yourself a new hobby this year. Okay, um, this episode I'm going to bring you today, I'm really, really excited about. We'll get to that in a moment. I just want to thank everybody for the feedback from Pete Fritch's episode, which was a real lovely f- and a first. You know, Pete, Pete found the podcast, Chew the Chat, from listening to me on another podcast that I guested on uh, from the Distraction Pieces Network, which is Scroobius Pips Network. Anybody who's aware of the Scroobius Pips podcast, Distraction Pieces, where he interviews and chats with a whole range of people, whether it's actors, Tom Hardy, through to, you know, um, all the rap artists like, you know, UK guys. I think he's he's had, I mean, he's had Fat Boys. I mean, Fat Boys, it's, it's, go and check it out. It's fucking deep, um, deep, deep, deep list of, of really interesting people from the arts, from film, from comedy, from music. Um, yeah, that's a great podcast, but his network is great. And Hardcore Listing, which is, what, is where uh, Pete found me. I was on Hardcore Listing doing my top five human-defining de- documentaries. And it's a shits and giggles podcast with moments of, you know, real sensitive sort of introspection. And um, Pete came to the podcast from there fell in love with it and heard me rattling on about camping and outdoors and disconnecting a little bit from digital life and trying to reconnect to something physical and meaningful and he made me an axe and a knife and we'd arranged in to meet in the woods which my wife was like are you sure this is this guy all right is he gonna be you know you're gonna meet this guy in the woods who's got an axe and a knife who's made it for you out of the internet I said, yeah, I trust my, trust my gut. I think it's going to be wonderful. Anyway, it was. It was wonderful. And we, Pete brought a couple of longbows that he'd uh, made himself and we shot we shot arrows in the woods and he presented me and Aidan with the knife and the axe, which is just beautiful. So over on YouTube, you can see us on the audio that you've probably listened to. If you are with us still, um, you know, you can hear us gabbing on. But uh, if you check out the video, and I think it's clipped as well, you can see the knife and the, and the axe, and it's wonderful. And we've had lovely comments. And Pete was a lovely, lovely guy. 
and we will camp together this year with his family and mine and lovely the full circle wonderful podcast magic world where Pete took something away from our podcast and then gave something to us and the whole thing just you know and the, and listen it's beautiful the knife is beautiful the 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 idea that he's put this time and this effort in but what's what's the most valuable thing is is all of us connecting to these ideas and to these moments of alignment with our ideas and that's happened to me and I feel like that and I you know I've had that that circumstance or that feeling that's what's really important that we're sharing and we're in this together so thank you to Pete and thank you to everybody for the lovely messages and kind thoughts it means the world um but yeah this week we are we're around a hot topic for me unschooling homeschooling we are going deep into um a, a situation that ironically my wife and I have chosen to go into last year but the whole of the country and moreover a lot of the world at the moment is finding itself in this situation now a little bit different to what we're doing but all all the all the same people have got their children at home and they're trying to adapt to having children at home and we're all panicking and worrying about how do we teach the kids and you know got to sit down and recreate the classroom and we'll do this at this time and that at that time and we need to cover five topics and god have we learned anything and can you spell you know encyclopedia and we can relax. We can we can relax because we're speaking to Anthony Elridge Rogers and Layla Elridge and their beautiful family. They've got two young daughters and a young son who are sort of later teenagers now. I think the girls are around seventeen and, and I think their young their young boys fifteen or so. And their kids were in the system as we'll as we'll hear, you know, they've been in schooling, then they went homeschooling and then landed in unschooling and that process. And I'm really intrigued to get this to you now sooner rather than later because as i mentioned we are all in this strange moment where we're probably doubting ourselves and beating ourselves up a lot about what we think we should be doing when we're about to learn there's a lot of things happening in front of your eyes that you can now remeasure and regauge and and have uh, not just um a relief from anxiety but an actual lift um in your in your positive vibes that things are going just how they should be you know um as long as you love your kids and you want to be with them and you're enjoying this time that you get to have with them you're going to be fine and Layla and Anthony give us a real insight um with all their history kind of a decade or more of of their their journey and it's fantastic and so important and nevertheless if we're in a pandemic and you know um we've got kids at home this is information that is so critical just to a human being's development, as we will learn. It's not just about learning at school and did you get out of that day having learned something. We've got to remember, what are we doing when we're teaching kids? We're teaching them to be adults. And it's pretty clear that that's been going wrong for a lot of adults because more adults than ever are broken via depression, anxiety, you know, self-loathing, just crippled by ourselves by the environments that we're in you know relationships are breaking down families are nuclear families are you know are just shattered you know and we've got all of these deviations of family and what it means and all of this stuff is critical learning when you're a child and confidence is something that you're going to hear that comes through no end when we we create this different environment without this peer pressure so I'm buzzing to give you this. I really, really am. It's a great podcast. It's a Zoom one. And as ever with Zoom, we have to, there's some technical things we've always got to get around. But we've, we've got, you know, the best of, of what we've got here. And we're really happy. And the, the information in this, in this podcast is great. I've got the book. The guys have written a book, Jump, Fall, Fly, which they sent me kindly as a PDF version before the podcast, which I started to read. 
but I was so engrossed in it, I had to order the book. So I've ordered the book that came through from Amazon. You can get that. I'll link it in all in the description here. The guys also made a film during lockdown with their two girls, which is all self-produced, self-filmed, self-acted, produced, written, the full gambit. They're a wonderful, wonderful tribe. And I think you're going to love it. Um, so I'm going to take you straight in and I'll pop back at the end with a little bit of news because I'm off somewhere exciting today. Uh, and I shall fill you in at the end. Now, whether or not this um, gets to you in time, we'll find out. But I'm really excited. So, without further ado, this is episode number 50, guys. We've made it to 50. That's a big number. I just turned 40, and the podcast has hit number 50 in episodes. So that is really cool. Um, yeah, head over to YouTube. Hit subscribe, hit like, let these videos fall in your lap. Every eight, 8 o'clock, every episode comes out, 8 o'clock on a Friday night on YouTube, and it drops in your ears at 5 o'clock on a Monday morning on the audio versions. Uh, and it, and we are on Twitch, so if you're a Twitcher, get on Twitch, follow us on Twitch, Tudor Chat Podcast, and Instagram is the only place where we're sharing bits and bobs. And I think I might get a little bit more active in Instagram and do some face-to-face videos and just do some updates in there. And that's nice and tight, really, because... Instagram is the only real one I've got to go and interact and, and actually partake in the social media thing where I realise it's dragging me out of the world and putting me in this weird digital frame. But listen, we'll do it and engage with you guys. And if you comment and if you leave us messages and stuff, we come straight back to you. I've got loads of exciting stuff on the way. So let's do it. I've picked a tune, <coughs> excuse me, as ever, that I think sums up this conversation, the energy and what we all might leave with. And it's super grass and it's all right. Because guess what? It is all right. This is episode number 50 of the Tudor Chat podcast with Anthony and Layla Eldridge.
Thank you for your time, making the time for us. It's um, really, really, we're grateful. Um, it's a difficult, Pleasure. it's a difficult time. So I do hope that it gives us something to do. If anything else, um, but listen, I, I welcome you to Chew the Chat podcast, Layla and Anthony Eldridge. Um, I found you guys via Instagram, of all places. And for viewers and listeners to Chew the Chat podcast, I've talked quite a lot recently in the last uh, number of months about my my wife's decision to take our small children out of school. Uh, my children are, are just recently seven, nearly six and three. And we made the decision, which we've we've gone back and forth with since before the first one was born. We were never sure what we might do. Um Obviously, the situation that occurred in 2020 accelerated a lot of our fears and our instincts and sort of brought a lot of things into the light that we had always thought about. And then we made a decision to do to do it, to, to bring them out and to educate ourselves as best we can and to try and trust our instincts. And, and so grateful for finding pages like yours, books like yours, which we will get to, um, and a family like yours. Because it gives, you know, such strength and, um, yeah, and, and knowledge and experience and, and motivation and all of the, the things necessary to take that leap into something I think we all trust deep down. But we, the, 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 as we will get into in this conversation, you know, the structure of education and the, the way we, um, we, we take the convention as, as the solid ground. And if we step outside of it, we can become, you know, uh, scared, uh, essentially, as we were, and we are quite confident people, and it's quite an interesting feeling to think, "Oh wow, Jesus, do we trust ourselves here?" And oh my God, you know. So, welcome, Layla and Anthony. Um, Jump, fall, fly. So that's the book. Yeah. It's also your website. It, 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 am I right in saying it's also sort of like your like a production kind of like a, yeah. a creative? performing family yeah. so so give us a you know, yeah. give, give us some story on you guys we literally have run away and joined the circus in some senses <laughs> yeah and, and yeah i suppose you could also say that the whole thing happened through unschooling in lots of ways because yeah. we kind of um oh, well it's a long story isn't it so it, it very much started through the, the way that we started following our kids and their passions and how their passions and what what they did influenced what we do. And so in a way, we've all been on a journey together for the last nine years, which it was kind of unexpected. So what started with um, just taking the kids out of school developed into a whole kind of lifestyle that was not anything that we really had planned, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. I, I, we wouldn't have predicted where we've ended up, for sure. And I mean, many, many times we've sort of looked at each other and gone, oh, my God, Look what's look where we are. Look what's happening. We're in a caravan in Spain, and you know, and the kids that we're all living in a tent. Yeah, you know that's you know that wasn't on the, you know that wasn't predictable. As indeed, you know, performing in a circus, creating performing uh, in shows that we've created with our kids, what mm. wouldn't have been predicted either. So yeah, and, yeah. and nobody predicted that we would be learning 
how to stilt walk like a year and a half ago being taught by our kids. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like, that's nuts, but we ended up doing it, you know, so and kind of really, really inspired by them, you know, and wanting. So it's such a deep conversation because we've ended up learning as adults so much more about yeah. ourselves yeah. and about uh, life through them as well. So there's often... You know, the progression, you start thinking that you need to teach them and what can I teach them and can I do this? And then suddenly, as time moves on, you realise it's a journey and um, you can end up learning so much through just living with your kids, you know. Mm. So it's a mindset, really, that takes has taken, well, I'll speak for myself, took me quite a long time to um, shift into, you know, at first it was really quite stressful and, and I was anxious and all those things and I was like well, what do I know about this and what do I know about that and and there was a whole process and um that is a de-schooling process which is uh it, it's quite a journey you know it's a real journey mm. I think what it, it's always it, these conversations are always interesting I, I'm really glad sort of I'm really glad we got a, lot, a bit of time together because um I've done a couple of podcasts recently um where we had like 30 minutes, you know. And it was oh, we can go as long yeah. as this takes. That's what I love about long form. <laughs> where would you start? Because, you know, in, the, in our book, you know, really the, we sort of set a scene because basically if you're going to talk about learning and children, then you have to talk about parenting, you, you know. And if you're going to talk about parenting, then you've got to talk about relationships. And if you're going to talk about relationships, you've got to talk about where you are having those relationships in society. And then you've got to talk about the world you live in so it's a it's a massive mm. thing which keeps coming out and and it has a very deep philosophical um element to it as well which is what do we believe about how we live mm. you know from what point of of belief are we stepping into daily life and as as Layla said um, you know uh it, it, it sort of turned our, our conventional thinking, which I'm sure, you know, that thing of, oh, I'm going to have kids, let's put them in school, you know, and, and it's all sort of pre-mapped out, isn't it, mm. by just the way we've been raised. And then suddenly you come along and say, well, maybe it doesn't have to be like that, but then you don't have a map. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't have a map. You know, and then so, that you know, you start looking around and saying, well, has anyone else done this? And, um, and then you realise that it's about philosophy, it's about what you believe deep down about life and about what it means to be an adult, not just what it means to be a child, but what does it mean to be to be a grown-up? And, you know, I've been a lifelong learner um, myself. I am an unschooler. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I love self-learning. Mm-hmm. I don't like being taught much. I mean, I like it sometimes, but I really, I love to teach myself stuff. You know, that predates um what we did with our kids so i think um that's quite a good place to start i guess well i I would like to because in in as as true the chat podcast in its origin was a lot to do with me coming to terms with my childhood and recognizing the trajectory of childhood from cradle to you know often the 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 age of seven is is talked about and obviously we talk about the seven year cycles and the imprinting of the fundamental foundations of personality and all these things in this time and how the all the aforementioned things you've you've said there aren't about you know if we're going to talk about parenting we need to talk about relationships we need to talk about society we need to talk about the, the wider world we live in and all of these structures that are so rigidly in place that have so much momentum 
I'd like to ask about you two and, you know, a little bit further back, your your younger years as children, you know, just take us briefly through what it was like for you um, growing up and a little bit of history of how you two came together and, 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 and then we'll go from there because I think that gives us a little bit of insight as to the kinds of people that you guys are. Well, do you want to start? Um, yeah, I can start. So um, I grew up um, in a family, uh, kind of my dad's an artist and um, a lecturer. And so it was quite, I suppose you could say, quite an artistic family. Um, and then we travelled a lot. So we lived in America for a while and we were... He, Sometimes when I think back about my childhood, there was quite a bit of unschooling there, even though not consciously because I was in the system. Um, so, yeah, my, well, I don't want to get too deeply into my parents split, but um, so that was kind of quite traumatic around about the age of 11, uh, around about the age of 10. Um, so, and then uh, going to my schooling, I, I think that, I, I think that, for me, the whole schooling process was very, very frustrating because I wasn't somebody who was very who and and to this day I'm not very good in the system. I found it really, really difficult, and I found that um, the way I was meant to learn um, and the way that was deemed to be successful and to be a good achiever, I wasn't good at that. And I was good at all the stuff, all the creative stuff, all the kind of. Um, uh, you know, the alternative thinking that I could do a much better job in uh, as, as an artist, as a creator, as a writer, all those things. But I wasn't very good academically. You know, I really, really struggled. So I found school very, very frustrating and I, I found it difficult, you know. Um, and then, but then I think I had a lot of good experiences with my dad and with my family around um, the arts and creativity and alternative ways of thinking. So I think I was quite fortunate in a way to be brought up in a household of kind of um, sort of deep thinkers and um, people who had a really high value for creativity, you know, whereas sometimes I was floundering at the things at school and but then on the artistic side, I was really, really well supported. So, um, yeah, that that's. That's kind of my childhood in a nutshell. And, and Layla, um, what, what, so just quickly, if you, your mum and dad in terms of... give it more, Sam, if you like. <laughs> the, the, the relationship between yes. mum and dad then, I, I just, you know, and, you know, we don't have to go there at all, but I'm, I'm thinking of you as a young girl prior to that 10, 11 years of age. And mum yes. and dad, are, are they a tactile couple? Are they, are they in love? Are you seeing love? Are you feeling love? Are you, as you mentioned, you're struggling yes. academically? <laughs> But are you? Um, so I say the end of that question again. So I just... you you also mentioned you 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 know you maybe weren't doing great academically, but you were you were being um, you were privileged to be in an environment of deep thinkers and creativity. So were your yeah. parents sort of um, were they in any way measuring you via your academic prowess, or were they no? It's cool because you're here, and this is what we're doing. You know, try hard and all that stuff. And what was it like? Were they? You know, were you? In, was it a, like I like I get from watching you guys this loving together family that's in balance and in harmony? Did you feel yeah, that? Yeah, yeah they, they they were they were they were very supportive. However, I showed up academically. You know, they were never um, tiger parents. They were never they were never tough on me. Um, and I think. Uh, uh, 
And you asked if they were very in love and loving. Well, no, because they split up, you know. So mm. they were, I think, when I was much younger, I think they were, but it was quite complicated. But my mum left and I was raised by my dad after the age of about 10. So that was a big trauma. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was quite that was quite a trauma. And um, and I think that, um, you know, I had a very strong connection with my dad, who was who I think also um, academically probably was quite similar to me and also struggled, but he he managed to, he, he's an incredible artist, an incredible painter and, a, you know, and a philosopher in the way he thinks. And I think I was very much held like that um, as a learner. And I think that that's served me a lot mm. as, a, as a young person. And then also he used to run um, workshops, kind of crazy alternative workshops in Italy. Uh, in the summers and we'd have all these kind of dancers and painters and photographers and performance artists so I was so blessed to be yeah. I was immersed Amazing. in a bunch of crazy to be honest with you and um and it was it was nuts you know we I mean it was fun and it was nuts and I kind of I, th I often think of that as my education because those years were so off the wall and I was so lucky to be thrown into that at the age of 16 you know 15 16 17 and I used to just go we never knew what would happen and so I was fortunate to be thrown into a world which is as I think about it now it's really unusual and so I kind of I, I sometimes look that is a reference point about my education, you know, to have been given those riches, really, with all these alternative, uh, wonderful people who I still know and who still support me. So I was very, very blessed. Mm. You know, I was and they're kind of like my bigger family. So and in a way, I think I, it's interesting how you kind of uh, as an adult end up repeating what happened as a child. And in a way, I kind of think I try and offer that to my kids as much as I can. I try and offer them as much as I can to for them to just see the world is not just linear. It's not just like this, that actually there's a whole mm. kind of um, environment and there's a whole bunch of people out there that do really uh, alternative things. You know, they can yeah. really show up in the world in a different way than, than you're expected to within a system. So I think I had a choppy childhood, um, but I think I was very blessed as well. You know, I was very blessed with it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 lovely. That's, it comes through. I just I just see in colour there, and yeah, lovely, <laughs> lovely. And, yeah. And, yeah. How, and so, how about you then, Ant? What what was it like for you? Well, I can't really follow that. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I I I regret. You know, I wish I had been living with a whole bunch of crazy bohemians, but uh, I wasn't. Um, so I I grew up in, I was born into a pretty typical middle-class English family. My dad, uh, it was, he's still alive, was a professional um, land agent, estate agent, kind of character, charter surveyor. My mum was, my mum was the housewife. And um, it, it started off really well when I was a kid, up until the age of about four. But then our family fell apart because my mum became addicted to um, uh, Valium and other drugs oh. and uh, it sort of opened up a, a hornet's nest of um of addiction which was actually in our family generationally so in my my father's mother not in my dad but my father's mother so um unfortunately our, our entire family crashed and burned um and broke apart and, and never came back together again so at the age of uh, seven or no at the age of eight I, I i was sent to live with relatives and 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 didn't go back to live with my dad for five years 
Wow. And by then, I don't want to get into details, but it was mm. one of those sort of classical, classical um, broken homes, sort of, you know, torn apart by, by addiction and mental health uh, illnesses. So not a good start, you could say. Um, and inevitably, it's always interesting, it's always interesting to sort of reflect on it, which I've had a long, long time to do, which is, you know, I don't regret any of what happened, but, you know, because I think I've learned, I think I've gained more as a, as a, as a person than, than, than I lost as a, as a child, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, these things are, are never easy to understand, but, but it, uh, it definitely made the first, uh, really, I didn't really find my groove as an adult until I was in my mid to late twenties. And, um, Prior to that, had been uh, was was pretty horrific. So I became addicted to alcohol and drugs, um, and ended up in rehab when I was 20, 19, 20. And uh, I've been in recovery ever since. I've just passed my fortieth um, recovery birthday. Wow! And amazing. More power. Yeah, thank. You. Yeah, and um, I've been involved for those forty years. You know, in helping people recover and. and you know that's a whole another another part to it, and I now you know I now have a coaching business and I do behavioural health coaching and training with coaches and so on. So it, it all kind of worked its way out in in this very much um, sort of recovery consciousness related life, really. Because when I you know when I came out of that, I mean, in the thing about dysfunctional friends, I, I don't know your background. I hope I'm going to hear of it. But when you live in a dysfunctional bubble. Uh, children normalize everything and they don't understand that the world can be a different way. And I think this is the big insight that I had when, um, as I grew up and as I became sort of able to outward face as a teenager, it was kind of like, what? You know, I used to go around to friends' houses and stand amazed at what the parents were doing. You know, they weren't, they weren't fighting. They weren't, you know, the mother wasn't, you know, I, I really used to, to be really genuinely shocked at how other families operated because I was living in a, in a particular kind of family situation with particular kinds of people with a lot of psychological issues. So I thought, I guess, I don't know what I thought as a kid, I thought, doesn't everyone behave like that? You know, aren't all families like that? And then I discovered, no, they're not, you know. Um, it's like that great thing that somebody once said, um, he said, I never realized my mother was a lousy cook until I left home. Right? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it was, a, it's the same. Yeah. I love that saying. Cause yeah. it's sort of sometimes I, I never realized that you, you know, you didn't have to live in fear of your psychological life every day of your life as a kid. There actually were people, there were actually adults out there who weren't dangerous to be around who wouldn't try to shame, blame or, or do, you know, mm. all those good things. So that gave me a very, uh, it gave me a couple of things, but I think one of the things that I have, which relates back to jump for flying and being a parent, it's gave me a very, very strong sense of justice yeah. about children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of, the, one of the things I still feel like a very strong, you know, um, core kind of focus is about, you know, how can we be cruel to children? You know, in whatever form that cruelty to children comes, whether we're hitting them or cursing them, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if I see people berating their children in the supermarket, calling them stupid, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's really it's really my work not to get involved all the time, if that, mm. that makes sense, because mm. 
I have this strong feeling. Um, and I guess that's partly because I was on the receiving end of it. But um, I, and so the other the thing I think I'm lucky about was the time that I was born, because by, by the time I got to 16 and 17, it was punk. Um, and <laughs> I escaped quite quickly. Um, I flunked out of school. Um, I went to about 13 schools in, in, in my life. Jeez, um, that's a lot. Yeah, I was really going around lots of schools. And uh, so I never formed attachments in any of them. And um, I became pretty skilled at surviving systems. I mean, I was surviving my family system. I became very skilled at surviving uh, institutional systems. You know, I could suss people out in an instant. I knew how to play the teachers. I mean, I became an adept manipulator in a sense, um, in a very introverted way, out of, out of the need to survive, you know, psychologically. So, um, but when I burst out of that, I burst out into a world which was, you know, glam rock and punk rock and uh, all sorts of really amazing cultural um, experiences. And that just blew my mind, you know, and, mm. and that's something I sort of set off into adulthood you know, heavily wounded, but, you know, with a sort of sense of, of um, outrage and, you know, feisty resistance to being systemized. Because what was happening in my family was a microcosm, the behavior between the adults and me was a microcosm for society at large, which is this idea that we will systemize you and you will conform. Yeah. You know, in my case, it was a dysfunctional conforming, but... Ultimately, that's what all these systems are designed to do. They're designed to, you know, create conformed behavior and, and processes and conditioning in, in young people. And that's what, you know, I've really questioned and, and push against uh, continually about, you know, how we, how we form society. Mm. And we, we still are doing that at the moment. So uh, I've slightly gotten pieced here, but... Um, I'm just trying to sort of join the dots back to my childhood. But um, my mum, my mum is 86 and in fine form. She's been in recovery 42 years. So she she came out of that eventually. Congratulations. My dad is still alive. And, uh, and my dad was my saviour, really. Um, my dad, for, for reasons which is really odd to think about, my dad decided to try to be like an English country gentleman. That was his, like, response to his, you know, and so he was. He's a he. If you, he's a real hunting, shooting, fishing kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, which is really weird because his dad wasn't remotely like that. His his dad was an architect, was a creative. You, you know, was a completely different kind of person and intellectual and this kind of thing. Uh, and my dad wanted to become a member of the landed gentry, I think, but never quite made it. And um, so I grew up uh, partly with my feet in that world. Um, as well, so I, you know, we used to hunt and shoot and fish and do all those agricultural kind of things. Lived on a farm for a while, so um, I write about it a little bit in the book because mm -hmm. it, it talked quite a bit about about life and our relationship to nature and, and all that kind of thing. But um, so yeah, it's interesting. It's, a mixed it's, it's so it's so interesting and. Your trajectory in particular, and it's very similar to mine, but listening to that, you know, that the home bubble and finding music and expression and freedom of thought and finding yourself in these other ideas that are freewheeling. Um, yeah, very, very similar to, to me. Um, that seems like 
So I think that gives us a little insight then as to, you know, you lovely people as you are today. You know, the, like I say, when I found your page and for people on Instagram and stuff, it's unschooling the kids. Um, the family you've built, as you say, what you lost as a child, you you feel you've gained as, a, as an adult. I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, my wife and I, we, we as I mentioned in, in the intro to this podcast, you know, the feelings that we have that you've obviously been through and had, you know, my wife and I, like I say, similar trajectory in our own childhoods, these strong feelings of trying to make sure that fierce understanding I now have, knowing when I see children, how important it is that we we keep them safe and solid and beautiful and, you know, and, and, and in the stresses of life, it's really difficult when we're all under stress and we're trying to put food on the table and kids have broken that and they're banging this and they're running off there, but they're children exploring the world. And it's, we have to remember that we have to guide that and, and seeing your, your, your guys, um, your family in Instagram and the way you conduct it. And then listening to that there, your two stories has, has sort of led you into your adulthood to me makes a lot of sense. Um, how you've you've built this world now that kind of combats a lot of that chaos by simplifying in a weird way just simplifying um so this has been such a strong thing as you mentioned Layla in the intro there for you guys and in your life trajectory because you've written a book you've created a, a creative traveling productive producing acting all singing all dancing life with your children as you mentioned they're teaching you so as you started, as you as you made the decisions, what, what what was it that made the decision? How old were your kids? Did they ever set foot in school? And what was it that tipped you over the edge and you know and made you think, you know, let's let's do this? Oh gosh. Well, it's, you see, there wasn't. I, I suppose there were a few ah, what, what I call aha moments. You know, there were a few like light bulb moments. Yeah. But I think it was. It, I, we didn't really think about it until whilst they weren't at school. But when we start to look to, to look for a school, it was then that I started to sort of focus my mind on, oh, yeah, this is school, you know, because I hadn't been in a school for a long time. And it was really more of a process as the more we try to engage, uh, well, I try to, yeah, 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 late, but yeah. more I try to engage, more, more like, mm, uh, mm, not, not quite mm. sure about that. And, um, and I'm starting to feel this dissonance, really, in myself about what was going on. And then, of course, they started to respond. Some people would say, because I was feeling dissonant, you know, they were responding like that. I don't really know. But they they weren't really enjoying it that much. And there were some markers, there were some moments on the sort of trying to get our kids into school journey where, you know, they were objecting to what was happening to them. Yeah. And, you know, conventional wisdom was, well, of course they do. You know, you just take them in, force them in, and they'll get used to and it. That, people said that and a people lot. Would say people that. would say that. Yeah. Just force them in. And yeah. that, I, that, I was like, hang on a minute. That's yeah. not normal. Mm. Is that normal? Well, it's normal, in, it's normal in a conventional sense because that's what all the parents are doing. Yeah. But, but we're thinking, yeah. I'm got, I've got just this huge why in my head. Why? Yeah. To what end? Do you see what I mean? To what end am, am I doing this? I mean, and it was became very much for me that, like, whose team am I actually on? You know, I think the parents often don't realise this. 
you, if you're if you're going to be on a team, you're on team parent, right? Which is with the kids. How you know in in a choice point, who are you going to back? The kid or the institution or you know you know what I mean? And mm. I, I realized that's a very complicated question because what we're really told is you've got to back the system over your kid. That's the message. This is the way we've always yeah. done it. Yeah. This is the way we're doing it. I'm sorry your kid doesn't like it. You're gonna to have to go along with us and make your kid do that. And that just didn't I just couldn't square yeah, that yeah. I couldn't square that away. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so we started we yeah. talking I, about it. Yeah, I, it, it, it wasn't kind of like a decision prior to them going to school. You know, it wasn't kind of like, we're going to not do, mm. put them through the system at all. It was very far from that, you know. And um, and so, and it, I mean, you see in the book, it's a bit stop-starty because they go into a system for a while and then and then we come get, mm, that's not working, let's homeschool, homeschool them. So then I do the whole homeschooling where I'll, tell you, where I'll create the school system. In the home. <laughs> <laughs> And then that's when they go back in and then they come back out. And so there was a kind of a stop, starty, chopping, changey. And we also moved around a lot. So it was it wasn't kind of one day we just went in that. Well, actually, there was a well, point, there was a, there was a point where we just yeah. yeah. So so we kind of toyed with it when they were little, um, quite a lot. So they were home for a while, then they were in the system. Also, bearing in mind we were in South Africa and we were in a um quite um a, an old-fashioned system and and um they were in an Afrikaans school and in the English class and it's very strict you know it's a very it was a very strict school just like a cane by the door job yeah, yeah. Oh, it, wow. it, you know it, it's very strict and so and it that was kind of that was quite an extreme extreme thing to put them into you know where they'd have to line up and they'd have to make sure that their hair hair didn't touch their collar and I was just like what is going on you know so it got so there were some kind of very strange moments there but I think for a couple of things happened for me personally I, I went um I was doing some work with a woman um and I was really fortunate enough to go uh on tour because I write and I illustrate and and I was I toured to Mozambique with this woman from America it's a long story but she 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 met us we ran a cafe and a restaurant in um, South Africa and she came into the restaurant and I ended up, we ended up becoming friends and she asked me, would I come to Mozambique with her? And uh, we, we went around villages um, helping kids learn, um, learn to read and teaching them about this book um, that, that, Anyway, teaching them about literacy. And it was a great experience, but she was really inspiring for me because she started talking to me about Summerhill. Do you know about A.S. Neil and Summerhill? No. Which is, um, no. okay, oh, 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 oh you've got a treat coming your way, Sam. Okay, yeah, yeah. well, actually, Summerhill is a book written by A.S. Neil. He started a school, I think, in the 40s. He was a really, really, he was ahead of his time and a really alternative thinker. And Summerhill still runs to this day. And it is a... It's a school with self-directed learners, and it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's, and and he, so this book was written, I think, in the 40s or the 50s. A.S. Neil, Summerhill, brilliant book. Make a note of that, Aidan. Um, yeah, it's quite, I mean, it, it's a, it's dated, and there are some bits that are a bit questionable in it now, but, you know, if you seeing it for its time, it was an incredible book. Anyway, she suggested, I, she had the book, I think, with her. So I, I, or I got it on the way back. I can't remember, but I read the book, and it was like 
this is it. You know, it was as if I hadn't kind of got, I, I knew what I felt, but nobody had ever written it. And it was like, he's saying what I've been trying, mm. what I've been thinking, you know, mm. this is it. And and I remember coming back from that trip and the, I mean, the kids were quite little at that point. And I remember giving the book to Anne and saying, this is, this is how I feel about yeah. the system. This yeah. is it, you know? And, um, and so that kind of got us both thinking, uh, well, it got me thinking um, people have done it differently for quite a long time and you can do it differently and it can be an amazing, amazing experience. And, um, do you know, do not be scared. People have done it before you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. that, that, that was very liberating for me to read it. That was, def- that was definitely a, a focal point. I think actually we, we'd had a, we'd actually had that book in our, in our library for a while, but we hadn't actually read it. Um, I can't remember how, true? yeah, that's right. Because it was one of those weird coincidences that you said to me, oh, you know, you know that book? And I was like, oh yeah, we've got that in the library. And I started reading it before you came back. But what was interesting, I think, so, so Summer, Summer Hill is very instructive in many ways, because it's, it's fundamentally about the philosophy of running a school, but it's still a school. And what we ended up with doing was, unschooling, which is essentially choosing to live together as a family without an institution to to interact with. But we, we didn't realize we were headed there, but but we certainly were thinking, you know, there were, there were a lot of sort of, there were a lot of the sort of, hope, you know, what I call the holy cows of, 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 you know, came tumbling down because, you know, that thing, you know, children won't learn anything unless you make them, yeah. right? You know that, have you ever, you know, yeah. well, they, they don't want to do anything. You know, no, they really don't. You know, you know that's children for. That's why we make them go to school and we make them learn. You know, mm. that's a, and I sort of had bought. I sort of bought into that. I think psychologically, I sort of. And then this guy comes along with his book with Summerhill and goes, "No, that's complete, completely wrong." Yeah. And and it was just like, oh yeah, and the things were, you know, that belief just like fell over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clunk on the ground. And of course, then it's it's always the way, isn't it? With hindsight, you just think, oh God, why didn't I realize that before? It's so obvious that children want to learn. It's so obvious that the problem is that they don't want to learn. It's just that they they don't want to learn what you want them to learn when you want them to yes. learn it in the way that you want them to learn it. <laughs> That's the problem. It's a power struggle. Yeah. You know, and quite rightly, quite rightly and naturally, they resist. Yeah. As indeed, I would resist if you came around and told me mm. how to learn, what to do, how to do it without my consent. Mm. And you, you know, and that's what I often say to adults: say, would you, if you were an adult, tolerate the way that you're treating this child? Oh no, no. So, so why are you treating the child like? That? Yeah. I mean, I can't. You know what mm. I mean? So, so mm. there, were, there were these kind of fundamental ideas that As Neil said, or just let them learn when they want to learn, so that he has. This place, we've been there twice because we yeah. very nearly yeah. sent the kids. We, we, yeah, we, no, we went there three times. <laughs> three times. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was amazing. And there's all these classrooms. It's a whole school. And you go in, they're empty. And, and, and there was a teacher sitting in there. And you go, and you say, hey, you know, I'm, the, I'm the maths teacher. What do you do? Well, I just wait for a kid to turn up and want to talk about maths. <laughs> I and love that. I love that. Amazing. And then you say, well, do the kids turn up? And say, well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they turn up for a day. They turn up for a week. Yes. Sometimes there's six of, them, six of them in the physics class. 
you know, in the science lab, they'll all come in here and we'll all make go-karts for three months. It was amazing. You know, was and amazing. then they all leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the, math, the maths room was, like, really inspiring for me because it was I, – I was like, oh, wow, we're in the art room. And I was looking – and then I saw these num- numbers everywhere – and then, then I realised it was the maths room. And, of course, maths can be art. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, who said that? Because generally, because I'm not very good at maths, which is actually possibly not true. I could be brilliant at maths. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? Maybe I'm conditioned to think I'm crap. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I walked into that maths room, and I, I just thought, I want to spend time in here. And I'd never in my life gone into a maths classroom Think, think, feeling inspired. I went in there and I was so shocked because it was they do it creatively, they do it differently. Mm. And what was very, very beautiful about Summerhill, we could go on about Summerhill. Well, let's talk about time. it because yeah, like, that's no, really important. Yeah, I can see the enthusiasm. Which were really vital. So I don't know which ones you want me to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, well, well, we went, we went, um, the, the lovely thing when we first went, uh, maybe the second time or the third time when we went to Summerhill, um, we were met by the kids. Um, and my, I, oh, I just want to, yeah, every time we were met by the kids. I just want to backtrack on that or go reference something that Ant said. He said, he said something like, how could we, uh, how, you were kind of critical, I can't remember, but what I want to say is that it's so, we, we have all been systemized. We've been in the system. So it's, as an adult, it can be really challenging to try and- um, Break that momentum. Have to, mm. have to unlearn. So, so, you know, of course we don't know how to easily flow at first with our kids. Of course we don't know how to trust because we've spent from the age of four up to whenever in a system you know so so that is the main thing with unschooling with learning to unschool is that you bump up against yourself a lot I bumped up against myself so anyway I'm going to give you an example of me bumping up against myself so we turn up at this um we turn up at this school and there's just kids and the kids go hi how are you uh and I'm immediately looking for the adults right where are the adults do you know what I mean Mm. who's 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 making sure this is all okay to go into the reception room. Yeah, they're really organised. So, and we're all standing there, all these sort of wannabe parents or parents, and in come two teenagers. And they're, they're on it, you know. And they're, they're, and they're, 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 but they start to teach, but, but, but we're waiting for the teachers. Yeah. But the teachers don't come. The kids say, right, we're going on the tour now. And I'm like, and, you know. and there's that part of me so just constantly <laughs> looking for somebody, you know, for an adult. And then and then I said, the penny drops, and I'm thinking, this is the experience. The mm. kids are the, this is why we're here. And then I'm like, of course. And we don't see an adult like until late in the afternoon. We don't see, we see, we kind of might see one in a room, but the adults aren't really engaging with us that much. It's the kids. And I just, it was so mind blowing to me because it's, I mean, it's so obvious in retrospect, but at the time it was a real jolt. I was looking for the adult to, to tell us how the school mm. was, Because you know. that was the model. You see, every school we'd been to before, you know, we'd bring up and say, we'd like to come and see the school and bring our kids. And we'd be met by the teacher, head teacher or the sub-head teacher or a, a, a teacher. So we were expecting the same model. Yeah. And what we got was these, these brilliant, very confident, smart, look you in the eye. Not people-pleasing at all. Not people-pleasing, not kind of deferring to because you're an adult looking up to you. None of that. Looking at you on a level. 
and that's really interesting as well. What um, just skipping on a bit, what I found with kids that are self-directed learners is they really are on, they really will talk on a level with adults, not in just because they don't put themselves down or, or mm. they don't care. And it can be quite a challenge, you know, it can be for some adults, it can be really challenging because it, you're, we're all systemized, you know, we're all systemized. So it's it's really, it's a very interesting journey for oneself as a parent. And, yeah. yeah. So let's, I mean, that's a really, can we dig in there? Can I just dig in there? Of course. Because it's what I call the culture of deference, right? So when you go to school, you think about it, what, what happens with young people is they're put up to authority figures. This is your teacher, you do what they say. This is, you know what I mean? This is the environment. These are the rules. And so, to some extent, we have that at home, don't we? You know, we create we create boundaries for our kids um, for all sorts of reasons. Um, you know, some of which, with hindsight, you realise if you're an unschooler, you realise a lot of those boundaries you put up have got nothing to do with the kids. They're all about you, mm. right? And some of them are about the kids. Like, for instance, don't you know? If you've got toddlers, you've got to keep them safe. So you need to the things you need to teach them quickly which are around personal safety and these kinds of things, that's necessary. So, but then after that, there's this kind of idea that there has to be this culture of deference. And so that, and that basically leads into fear of authority. So um, in the school, what you get is children who are scared of teachers. And some teachers, I would argue, they're not very good ones, use fear as the governing emotional field of their relationship with their, their kids. And other more enlightened teachers won't do that. They'll they'll make love and connection the governing field, which is obviously more desirable. But there's still a big stick in the background. You know, the headmaster's going to come and talk to us and all that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So what you get is, is, is young people who start to mistrust adults because adults are potentially um, harmful psychologically to them. You know, should I fear them? And... Over the years, we've often, you know, when you meet unschooled kids, you you see a really clearly different quality of how they're holding themselves mm. to adults. There is none of that fear. There is none of that default suspicion slightly, yeah, okay, hi, how do you do? Yeah. Mm. You, you know what I mean? And I noticed that when we meet uh, our friends, uh, our friends, uh, our daughter's friends, that, you know, this is my dad, and some of them sort of like, you know, who I've been in school, they're yeah. a little bit like, oh, a dad, what do I do? It's a dad. Yes, yes. And the unschooling ones don't do that. They, they go, do. oh, hi. They'll come up and say, hey, listen, I'm Anthony Lamar's dad. You know, this is Layla. They go, oh, nice to meet you, and they shake your hand. It's a very open feeling. Yeah. And I can't overemphasize how significant this is for life outcomes because, you know, once you get an uh, entrenched fear of authority, now, now, people who like to, a lot of people argue with us about it, say, but we need fear of authority, otherwise we'd have anarchy, wouldn't we? Well, I would argue no. I think that that's just another belief that we have, which perpetuates, the, justifies the control. But ultimately, when you see young people growing into adults who don't live constantly in this sort of fear of authority, scared of the police and scared of this mm -hmm. and scared of that, you have a very different human being, mm -hmm. actually. You have a very different, you know, thing of life. And we've seen that amazingly in our, in our kids you know who who are just fearless you know that they, they just you know they shock me with their fearlessness because yeah. i wasn't like you know 16 taking on my teachers and yeah. you know whatever um so and that really came out of i just wanted to link that because i think it's an important thing that, that came out of a, 
a penny really dropped for me when I went to Summerhill. So that meeting. Do you remember we met all those wonderful teenagers and we just were talking to them. I was going, oh my God, saying to Layla, look, these kids are incredible. They're relaxed, young people, they're comfortable, they yeah. They're really willing to talk to me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm a grown-up male, bald male, and they, they, <laughs> they're talking to me and asking yeah. me questions about myself. I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. And, and, also, and also, just going back to that, there was, they, they do something, uh, I can't remember what it's called, it's like the committee meeting. Oh, or, no, the, demo, the Democratic, Democratic meeting. meeting. This and, will blow your mind. This, yeah. this <laughs> so beautiful. First of all, they ask the group of about... But Leila, let's tell him how they run the school first so he gets the context. Okay, go on. They run the school. The school, this is okay. another brilliant thing. The school is not run by the teachers, it's run by the kids. Everything is decided through democracy, through weekly meetings, which they have, where they, where anyone of any age in the school can bring up any topic, they discuss it, debate it, and vote on it. That's how they run the school. The teachers don't make up the rules. All the pupils, all the kids do. So they have more rules at Summerhill than any other school. They have this massive book, and if you look at it, it's sort of hanging on the wall in the, in the dining room. And you can go and you can look at all the rules. And it's hilarious. It's very interesting. Anyway, so we so so they, there was about a hundred maybe a hundred kids there, would you say maybe yeah, maybe, maybe yeah maybe yeah. six sixty, maybe sixty kids. And um they have this meeting and they are they ask the kids, you know, some of the parents who are at the open day would like to come sit in the meeting. Do you agree? So we had to wait outside. I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to go in. <laughs> what if they say no? All the kids have to give their permission for us to be in there. Isn't that cool? And then I'm like, then the condition part of me is like, I've come all this way, I want to go in. And then the other part of me thinks that's brilliant. If they say no, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? So they said yes, and all the parents were like, you know. So we sat in the circle and it was just brilliant. I mean, it was just brilliant. It was like, it was just there was this six-year-old that got up and she spoke about the fact that somebody's spraying aerosol cans in the bedroom and it makes her cough and she doesn't like it. And what do we think about aer- you know, and it was just so organized and it was like it was they were so fair and and um everybody had a voice and it ran so smoothly. I mean, you would imagine, you know, you the condition part would think that will be chaos. It was brilliant. And I was I was so moved. Yeah. I was just I, like, I actually oh. yeah, I actually wept. I mean I cried <laughs> because it, it, it was so it was so beautiful Holy. to see this little six-year-old. I remember this moment, this little six-year-old saying, putting her hand up, saying, I, I want, I, I want. And she walks, she walks to the middle of the room. She says, right. So this in front of this room, I'm thinking, wow, the confidence, the mm. the this moment of democracy, the, the yeah. fact that she has the power yeah. to express what she wants to express. And no one's shutting her down and no one's saying no. You, you know what I mean? It's just, to be heard, yeah. Was, to be heard. It was really, it was yeah. really, really beautiful. It's really mm. beautiful. And, um, yeah, so that was a real, real big inspiration to us. And, you know, I mean, one would think, why didn't we send our kids there? Well, that's another story. Yeah, which maybe we should just say. Yeah, it's, you know... It's actually not. Is that in the UK, guys? Are you you in the UK at this point? Yeah, it's it's a private school, and you have to pay for it. So we didn't have that kind of money. But also, there's a problem that well, this is interesting. So a lot of the children that go into Summerhill are children of of, of problem children who failed in the system, and they often. It's not always the case. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You read the book. Most of the children he's getting given are children that aren't coping. And um, what they've discovered is that Summerhill is such an amazing environment that the kids don't ever want to leave. 
And a lot of them don't want to go back home. <laughs> we yeah. don't want to lose our can, kids. <laughs> yeah, because you can be a day kid or you can be a, be a boarder. And, they, and the, the headmistress then, who's, who's very nice, the original family's granddaughter. Daughter. Daughter. Um, said, listen, one thing you need to know is that if your kids come as day kids, be prepared for the fact that they, they will not, they will want to become boarders. And she says some of them want to stay here all during the holidays. Because what happens is this becomes such a powerful community and family yeah. where they're having their best time. Yeah, I and get it. You can't you can't compete with it at home. Yeah, yeah. And she was brilliant. Yeah. She was really honest. Yeah. She was really straightforward. And um, and I kind of we both sort of thought, no, we. Well, I thought I didn't yeah. have children to hand them over to 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 a school permanently and not live with them. I mean, I had kids to live with them yeah. But I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah exactly, <laughs> so, exactly so that family part for us didn't it was a big yeah. this isn't going to work for us you know and um but yeah i mean the kids there do have an amazing time well, it I sounds like you do. guys <laughs> learned so much from it and, and have taken that you know that spirit because listening to you they're talking about it and i had a similar moment with a book myself but it was a little bit later on the on the um I think it was the sixties, John Holt, how, how yeah, children yeah, learn. Yeah, yeah. So I had that yeah. moment with the book where, as you eloquently put it, Layla, enthusiastically like, that's it. That's my feeling. That's what I've been taught. You know, sort of the turmoil in my heart mind has been this man has written this book because he's done all this work and he's, scientifically or academically in a, in a way put this down like this is it you know ch how children yeah. learn and as you, everything you've just said there in Summerhill is freedom to be unshackled to feel safe you know to and as again as you point out and and, and this is a really poignant conversation at this time I think in our lives because where we're at with the situation we're in with kids learning at home right now and this is something I want to get to with you guys, is we are institutionalised. We the, the system is so much bigger than us, the individual. You know, we, we even people like yourselves, Layla, you've come from that, that, that part in your early teens where you've had this freedom and this colour and these eccentrics and this father who's allowed you to be more than what the system says you should be. It's such a scary thing to break that mould. And, and, and for so many families who haven't got that creative... Um, sort of belief or understanding or intuition. We, yeah. if, we, if we're not inside that structure, inside that system, we're failing somehow. And as you mentioned, you're butt, yeah. you're butt up against yourself with the unschooling. So when when Alex and I first, my wife Alex first says, you know, we're going to homeschool. We, we go, okay, right, we'll start learning about right, homeschool. And I think it was in the first lockdown where everybody was trying to turn the classroom into the kitchen, you know, and at nine o'clock we're going to do this and then we're going to do that at 10 o'clock and then we're going to learn about... And you realise, oh, this is just chaos. I mean, this is just not going to work. Yeah. And then I read John Holt and I was like, oh, wow. You know, and luckily we had a friend in the village who my wife had met in the park and they, they'd unschooled for sort of seven or eight years, very similar to you guys. And they came around and had a chat with us and said, look, trust yourself. Child-led, you know, if they're interested in something, you just follow that. And if you're overjoyed to be with your children... You know, yes. you're pretty much there. And so that was really, really big for me. So as as we get to where we are now, then, guys, on the timeline today, where our systems are resetting, let's say, 
you know, in the face mm-hmm. of public health or whatever else it might be. We are resetting the human mm-hmm. condition at this moment, you know, and, and, and all these yeah. systems as we know them. And right now, children aren't in school and parents are in up and down the country and around the world, no doubt, are really yeah. at loggerheads with how do they do this? They're probably, I would yeah. imagine the majority are just scared that their children are going to fall behind and they're going to lose out yeah. when yeah. actually... Some of those parents who might come across this this interview, this well, I hate the word interview, this conversation, it might it might help them to to grasp that internal instinct that actually this yeah. could be a silver lining in many cases. You know, yes. if people are in a position yeah. where they can be around their children and trust. So, yeah, when you guys did did um, take the kids out, Layla, you sort of alluded to it earlier. You tried to do the thing that we all do, which is create the school environment, but at home. And then you battle yeah, with yourself. Yeah. So how long is it? Yeah. And how, what is the process for you guys to really arrive at the point where that trust kicks in and you're just following your nose and and you find yourself in a place where the children are teaching you as much as you're doing yeah. anything for them? Yeah. Well, can I, can I Do you want to, yeah, yeah, jump in that? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so Sam, like you said, um, I did, I, I totally, and I, I kind of look at it and go like this now. Oh, well, can I just say, Leila, though, but you're, well, videos on Instagram though where you talk about this you talk about this where you sort of kick yourself and you know this is for you guys you know don't worry when you feel like this that's so helpful to me you know so thank you okay yeah that's and I get a lot of feedback because I think it's huge that like I said before we've all been conditioned haven't we we've been conditioned to your kids won't learn unless you teach them your kids won't learn unless you teach them or if a teacher teaches them so what I did is I did exactly that I I, I literally created a room in a, uh, we both did we created a room in a house and I turned it into a flipping classroom. I mean, like, <laughs> it looked great. You know, it looked great. And I had other kids come join. And I was like, I am acing this. And then I, I had the, like, I put the art on this bit. And then I put the science on this bit. And I put the geography over there. And I put, do you hear what I'm saying? Mm. I put. Yes. I put. Mm. You know, and then I had a whiteboard. And the kids were like, <laughs> you know. And then, and, and I, and I even kind of almost had a register in the morning. I mean, it was, do you know what I mean? It was like, and I had the pencils and I had the rulers and I had the books. I have a, had a stack of books like this. And then it took up, it took a, and I, I think Anne was a bit more savvy than me, to be honest. He used to just say, I come from a family of teachers as well. So he used to say, I would say at night before I went to bed, what shall I teach them tomorrow? And he would say, why don't you just let it go? And I was like, I can't let it go. God, let it go. And then I had a kind of moment where they're all just like going, oh, and I'm trying to infuse them and say, so what should we do today, kids? You know, should we do a bit of art? And they're just like, oh, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and then I kind of, I sort of said, what do you, what do you guys want to do? You know, what do you guys want to do? And, they wanted to sort of go online and 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 do their own thing and and something happened. I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was a moment when they were working on a project. We were working on a project about um, NASA. Oh, aliens! Aliens space. about space and aliens. And well, I said, "What do you want to do?" And one of the boys. That we were in Italy at this point, actually. So just in context, we were with Italian kids and English kids. And one of the kids said he wanted to learn about aliens. So are there aliens? And I said, well, 
well, um, find out, you know, just go on the internet. And I realized I had to step away. Just let Layla walk away, walk away, stop being in control. Because I was kind of doing that teacherly thing of monitoring them. And, you know, and I was, I was getting on their nerves and I was getting on my own nerves because <laughs> I was wanting results. Do you know what I mean? And then I walked out and, um, and uh, I left them for like an hour and then I came back in and they were, they were looking at um, jellyfish. They were looking at jellyfish. <laughs> And they're all sitting around the computer looking at jellyfish. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wanting to say, what about the aliens, guys? What are you talking about the aliens? Where's your written report about the aliens? And then I thought, Layla, just leave it. And then what had happened is they'd gone, they'd gone, um, they'd looked about aliens and they'd gone into to NASA and they, they'd, they'd gone from NASA to how uh, uh, things in space were like, jellyfish and jellyfish and things in space were really similar and how does a jellyfish move across glass and then they had um uh then they'd gone to rihanna like a diamond diamond all about being in the sky and i was like it kind of blew my mind because mm. i was like linear Let's do a topic about the aliens. Write about it and let me know. Or do, you know, give me a, give me a result, guys. And actually, what they'd done in that hour or forty five minutes is they'd gone from from aliens to NASA to the sky to to learning about jellyfish to learning about music and and all in two languages as well. And I actually thought, jeepers, that's a learning explosion. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's very hard to kind of quantify what that was, but there's learning going on in all different directions. There's music over there. There's um, there's kind of, um, sign, you know, following NASA over there. There's somebody, you know, it was going all over the place. They were all going all over the place. And that was a very poignant moment for me because I suddenly went, it's not linear. Mm. Learning's not linear. Learning is everything. Learning comes, learning is, is, is multifaceted. It goes in all directions. And it was a really, and then I looked and I just remember it was like something dropped to me. I looked around the room and then I kind of got that, oh God, it's me. I've done this classroom, not them. You know, I've tried to control them. I've tried to create this space and I'm not listening to them. And then, and then from that moment, kind of everything shifted. I dismantled, I took things off the wall. I, I, I just started listening. I just thought, Layla, give it up, babe. Give it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kind of, there was a part of me that was like, no, I'm not in control, <laughs> you know? And I started following them. And I really think that for me, that was the emotional point. And how long did it take? It took maybe a year took maybe six months, maybe it's even a lifetime, Sam, because I still catch myself doing it, yep. you know. And yeah. um, But it kind of, it's something shifted in me. And then I started following them and then it got really interesting. It got really interesting. And fun. And really fun. Because after all, you know, I mean, the whole point is it's not supposed to be miserable. Yeah. It's supposed to be joyful. I mean, that's what, that's what I'm there for. I'm there for the joy of being with my kids. Yeah. the suffering of being with my kids yeah so when it became joyful and it became what it became really was it when you let go yeah. and finally you know crashed and burned I crashed and burned what yeah. happened was we started to play again yeah yeah because yeah. what it we were still in this this duality of there's learning and then there's having yeah, fun absolutely. and enjoying yourself yeah, and then yeah. there's learning and so yeah. learning is correlated with suffering right yeah mm. it's like a duty it's suffering and so that's the problem isn't it? that's the institutionalization of learning 
So in, when you when you just say, but it, and then John Holt talks about this a lot. You know, it mm. isn't there isn't a wall down the middle. Yeah, it, it's just, yeah. it's it's human expression, and you learn as much playing. And in fact, you learn more playing. So we just played, yeah, and then you started dressing up. We dressed. You dressed up. The kids dressed up for about two years, didn't they? It was constantly, <laughs> constantly nice to dress and yeah, doing puppet shows, yeah. and it was just nuts. And we were throwing and, in all sorts of ideas yeah. about about history, and you know, and I, I, I would strew things. So I would strew ideas, which means throw something out there. Talk about um, talk about Amelia Earhart. Talk about. I'd throw it out there. If it flew, it flew. If it didn't, so, I would and this accept is a, it. I mean, this is actually another very important point because a lot. So, so a lot of the objections that we hear from people, they say, "Well, if you don't, if you don't teach your children about biology, how will they ever know? How will they learn?" Well, that's a very good point. I mean, if a child doesn't come across something, it can't. We, you can't. It can't have a moment of interest in it. So what what we do in unschooling, and you know, is we we kind of we seed the environment, yeah, yes. you know, with interesting things. Yeah, just leave a book about aeroplanes on the table, and the kid comes up and goes, "Oh, what's that?" Uh, you yeah. know, and and this is a very important thing as well because, um, and it is important that young people learn about what's out there as options not to be taught it but it, it you know yeah the, the chemistry exists oh what's chemistry you know mm, yeah do you know what i mean but the, there's a huge difference between saying oh there's a thing called chemistry wow that's interesting versus you will now learn chemistry. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah which is yeah for 30 all, minutes all, at three o'clock until you, and then yeah, you'll yeah, go and yeah. learn yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly yeah um but what i was going to say also was there's something important about what you were saying there to do with the the um, the way that learning happens because one of the things that I really observed um, is that we have this bias institutionally to forcing what I call deep dives into things, you know. So it's kind of we're going in and then we're going in and then we're going in and we're going in and there's somehow an inherent good about going in to things as a sort of absolute good, but it isn't an absolute good. And what I've noticed a lot was this thing, what I call buffet learning. Mm-hmm. Buffet learning is when you go to, you know, multiple you things at once. Yeah. I think I'll have a sausage roll and I'll have a little thing. Oh, I'll have a clump of cheese and then I'll, you know what I mean? And you go around the room and you've eaten and you've consumed, but, but you, you haven't had, you know, whereas then there's a, then there's let's have a feast. You know, let's have an Italian feast, mm-hmm. you know, and let's have, do you know what I mean? And let's mm-hmm. go right down thing and, and you sit there and I'll deliver your feast for you. And that's a very different thing. Um, and what's most of the educational philosophy is about you sit down there and I'm going to feed you. Yeah. All right. And it takes away autonomy of, 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 you know, psychological learning and the nurturing aspect, the self-nurturing aspect of being able to select what you learn. And, oh, that looks interesting. And this is what I love about yeah. that story mm-hmm. was, you know, to go from aliens to NASA. And, and they're just bouncing. And they're like in this buffet, yeah. you know, bit of that, bit of that, bit of that, you know. And, and they're, what they're seeing, which I think is so inspiring so much, and it's also what your dad is about, and the art, artists and creative. They're seeing the interconnectedness of, of all things. Of everything, of everything. And I just want to... That, uh, that is such an important mm-hmm. um, human position if you like to take to see the joined upness yeah. of the world mm. and not see everything that's constantly encapsulated in little pockets yes niches all that kind of thing this is this is something i get very passionate about in the work that i do uh about behavioral change in, in 
behavioural things. So, yeah. I, Sorry, no, I, no, I just want to say that yeah. the, the kind of cherry on the cake of that story is the following day afterwards. So if you imagine we've been looking at jellyfish and they've been looking at, um, they've been looking up into the universe and the, the following day, um, one of the Italian boys comes in with a Venus flytrap plant because it reminds him, you know, he's looked at Venus, he's looked at the jellyfish, and I'm like... Oh, he's made that oh, connection. Yeah. Into, yeah. yeah, there's the connectivity, interconnectivity but of it, everything. But just think it's about that for a moment. Really. It's brilliant. We're now we're now in biology, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, what's the, so everyone's gathered around the Venus yeah, flytrap. Yeah, I remember it turning yeah, up yeah, and saying, well, what is it? And yeah. well, it eats flies. What do you mean it eats flies? So now we're yeah. having an impromptu... Yeah. You know, botany yeah. moment, yeah. right? And it linked back to the aliens. Yeah. It linked back to the aliens. We're like, what? Oh, well, could, yeah. could Venus flytraps be aliens? You know, mm. and uh, do they eat people? Do they eat flesh? What about you know, so it? Just goes. Blah, 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 and blah, we blah. didn't schedule botany. Mm. For yeah, of course. No, you you're see, following that instinct. That yeah. instinct and that sense exactly. of adventure. So we're just letting it, you know, and then somebody says things, and, and off we go. And that that when you think about the exciting, you think how exciting that is for young people. <laughs> And for us as well to just yeah. go with the flow in that way. Mm. Yeah. And then we all run out of steam. It's like we've all had enough, so yeah, let's yeah, all have yeah. a cup of tea, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, because sometimes the buffet, and then the girls sometimes would take, the buffet can be five minutes um, or it can be a day. Sometimes yeah. they get totally, wouldn't they? They yeah, get yeah, totally yeah. hooked into something and they'd be just doing it all day, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, way yeah. beyond how long yeah, I would do yeah. it for. Mm. You know, cutting out and yeah. making paper swords and yeah. whatever. Yeah, and kids are you know. kids are endlessly inventive, as you know. Mm. I mean, they just they they just they just run with everything, or not. You know. Yeah. So, but it's a. I wanted to tell another little short story. Can I tell another of little course. short story? Uh, by the way, your enthusiasm, guys, is just electric. <laughs> I love this pure. You know, and I hope people watching and listening. I'm sure who are paying attention at the moment because what we said you know we're at a time when we're all probably scared to death a lot of parents about having their kids at home yeah, this I, energy I this that. pureness is, is so yeah, powerful yeah, yeah. it's getting rowdy uh, before you get um before you tell your story i mean the the big the big 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 message really for anyone out there is is we have uh, like you we have skin in the game we're we're nine years down what was essentially a crazy experiment to most people. Um, we can absolutely tell you that it, it, it can work. This is not a dangerous thing to do at all. Quite, quite the opposite. And that's an important thing to, to, to say. And, you know, we could even bring our kids on here, our daughters, you know, mm. and you can talk to them. They're not weirdos. Mm. You know, they're incredible human beings. Our you son know. is shy. Yeah, he's quite shy, shy, so he won't come on here. Yeah. But, but yeah, but but I I, th I think it's important because right now everyone's got anxiety that somehow something terrible is about to happen to their to their children. The the thing that is happening to children that is most important to deal with right now is around mental health, um, yeah. about emotional uh, processing, about connection, about relationship. That is the most important mm. thing. The rest is peripheral in my view. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. we're going through a global pandemic. It's huge. Yeah. There is a lot going on, you know, and I think that the mental health is just paramount. It's paramount yeah. to hold to hold those kids within this yeah. this space, you know. And um, mm. shall I tell my story? Yeah, you tell your yes. story. Then, then I'd like to talk about learning again quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it probably will tie in. Right. It's a story around, and I might have said it on a little Instagram thing. Um, it's a story around reading, which was something that I kind of was very, very passionate about, that the kids must learn to read 
yeah. that's my vocabulary, that they really need to, you know, which is actually... Well, the world says that as well. Yeah, the world no. says The it. younger they can read, yeah. the more money they'll make. Yeah, mm. and I, yeah, and I was, <laughs> yeah. when they were younger, I was biff and chipped out, you know, those little biff yeah. and chip books. I was like, oh. Um, but anyway, they they um none of them really were into reading. And 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 I'm talking, and this will freak a lot of people out because it freaked me out. You know, I'm talking up to the age of like 10, you know, just like you know, and I found it so important because because I read and because the world, you know, you need to be able to read. I found it really important. But I was, I was, and one of our daughters um, struggled uh, with dys- with dyslexia. So, and when she was in a schooling system for a while, it was flagged up. You know, it was she was, you know, and she was um, held behind, and you know, in special classes and everything. So when we were out of the system, my one concern was that they could all read and that she could reading that I assist her so I help as much as I could and sure enough I did things like you know I'll put words around the place and I just just to kind of like get things going in their brain and help them add that ch is ch and t is and all this stuff and but what I did is I I really kind of insisted on um helping her to read like I followed her around to help her to read and like, you know, can we, should we just do 20 minutes? Should we just do 10? Come on, let's just do 10 minutes. Go on, we'll be fine. And she would just be, and I could feel this like resistance, you know, and she was like nine or 10 and she wasn't really, really doing it. So I inside as a parent was like, Oh my goodness, you know, that's old. Why aren't you getting this? You know? And then this voice said, Layla, let it go. And then this other voice said, how can you let it go? She, she might never be able to read. And this other voice said, so and it was really difficult really difficult but I didn't let it go I carried on chasing her around then she turned around she said to me mum can you do one thing for me can you just leave me alone and then come back to me six months later my 10 year old and I inside I said no 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 (laughs) on the outside I said yeah okay I'll give it a go and I and then I walked away and I did I left her I left her I left her I stepped away, I stepped away, I stepped away. Six months later, she's reading, like really reading. Uh, about nine months later, no, uh, no, about a year later, or maybe, yeah, a bit longer, not only is she reading, her and her sister, twins, they're twins, went into this ridiculous, ridiculous deep dive of reading novel after novel after novel after novel after novel after, you know to the point where it's like two a week you know I mean not 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 we didn't make them they were just on this roll like this is what Matt was talking about deep diving and they for two years the girls um read novel after novel after novel after novel after novel um to the point where they were so proud of it they had a whole had a whole list on the wall and and I really you know and so when I think back to myself in that moment when she was nine or 10 and I listened to her, I just, I just, it was a real turnaround moment for me because I just thought she's asking me to step away and just leave her. And it was really hard for me. And I did step away and then, and then, and it worked, you know, she came back and not only can she read? I mean, she's still dyslexic every now and then. She'll still put things around, and, yep. and it, but it's fine. Um, but the thing is, she has a love of re- a passion for reading, you know, like a passion for reading. And if I had motored on in the way that I was trying to, I think I would have stuffed that up for life, you know? So, mm. so I, that, that, when I said at the very beginning, you know, you learn so much about yourself. Yes. I learned so 
much about you know you know I learned that you you know this thing about listening you know you listen just listen listen and it's really difficult when you're in a system because the system doesn't teach you to listen the system teaches you to follow the system so I have to say I feel really re- I really feel for people who are feeling they have to follow a curriculum because it's really really um it's you can't do what you need to do uh you can't follow your heart easily if you're following this curriculum so it's i, I know it's a very difficult situation for people i was going to say i mean what what later's story really the story she's telling with her stories is is the story that it's all about the adults ultimately it's it's us grown-ups you know it's the adults who have a problem with the unschooling concept it's not the kids yeah kids are fine people will say i'm worried about because don't worry about your kids worry about yourself because really the, the kids are self-adjusting and they they will find their relationship, you know, as you go along. I guess one of the problems that we have is that as as kids that have been in school um, need need help adjusting to new environments, need to understand that they have to adjust. So one of the, just going back to Summerhill, because Summerhill's a good good place to look for some clear clear direction. Um, he talks quite a lot about what happens when kids who've been in school that hasn't worked out come to Summerhill. And the first thing they do is rebel. Because they're, they're told, you don't have to do anything. You say, right, we won't. And some of them don't do anything for three years. They just play. They just do their own thing for three years. Then they don't learn anything formally or, or on, or on the subject. Um, so, uh, and then eventually, once that's sort of out of the system, they've reestablished, you know, this idea of feeling of autonomy and the fact that their autonomy is sort of treated with respect and that it's sacred, then, then they're willing to, 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 to go out and to embrace and to, to engage. And I think that that's a very important point because I think, you know, um, a lot of children who are suddenly finding themselves now, you know, out of that goldfish bog of school even though they don't like it, it's still a foreign experience for them. It's still it's still difficult difficult for them, and and if the parents are stressed, and if, if you know that that is picked up mm. by, you know, children just yeah. they just see see everything, don't they? they see and feel everything. I mean, they they like sponges, so they they know. This whole idea that parents are what well, my child doesn't know that. I'm like, yeah, really. You know, yeah, that's so naive, yeah. isn't it? They don't know that I'm really depressed. Oh, why? Well, I always smile when I'm in the room with them. What? Okay. So, 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 I mean, these are the stories we tell ourselves, really, to, to because we don't want to, we, we don't want to confront certain issues. So, what I'm saying is, a lot, a lot of it is rooted in the adult, in, in, in how we're responding to the situation. But of course, we have to be mindful of this transitioning process for, mm. for, um, you know, mm. uh, people children coming out of one institution and mm. back into a different environment. Um, building on that, really what I wanted to just talk about quickly was um, I'm very sympathetic to the dilemma that so many parents have. And I think sometimes we can be a bit annoying because we sort of come in here and say, yeah, you know, just have all your kids at home yeah. and live like us and do, you, you know, as if it's something easy to do. Um, yeah, yeah. It isn't easy to do mm. because you... 
you have to be willing to understand that you can't live your life in a conventional way. It's very hard to be an unschooling family. You'll know this. Yep. I mean, if I was working five jobs from 6 a.m. till 10 at night, and so was Layla mm. seven days a week, how, how could we possibly, you know, so so we don't want to be, I don't want to be flip yeah, exactly. about just sort of, you of know, saying it, it, it's easy. And I think I think that's respectful to people who aren't in the same situation as ours. Yeah. Um, having said that, um, I think we we are all all parents. Most parents are trying to solve one fundamental question, which is, what's the best thing to do for our kids, for them to thrive into the future? Mm-hmm. That's really, isn't it? It's, yeah, the, it's yeah. the point of departure. How can I best equip them for mm-hmm. the world in which they're going to live as adults? That's really the question we came up with. It's in the book, and we try to answer that question by how we live, and we try to answer that question in in the book. But, um, and it's an important question now because everybody's tied to the system's story, which is you got to win, you got to get top of the class, you got to get great grades because you got to get to uni because then, because you won't get a job and you won't thrive if you don't. Yeah. Right. So it's like this, it's like this sort of Damocles, isn't it? Mm. It's like if little Johnny drops out of the class, it's it, it, Johnny's life is over, mm. you know, and that's, that's the way we are bound. Yeah. to the system we're bound through this negative relationship about how life plays out and so what's important to say i think is to say and for people to talk about why that's not an absolute truth because if you think of i mean this always struck me about classes right there's top of the class and the bottom of the class there's only two places to be in a class in my view either at the top or at the bottom yeah you never want to we're in the middle. You know, if you're top of the class, you're winning, you get all the praise and support. If you're the bottom of the class, everyone ignores you, they leave you alone, and that's fine. You know, and I worked out when I was at school, I was going to be at the bottom of the class because I was lazy. I, I you know, I, I saw it was way too expensive to be at the top. So I figured out I and so and fortunately my parents weren't paying that much attention at the time. So like you know and i hid out at the bottom of the class which is which was really good but if you think about it um not everyone can win i mean we can't all go to oxford university can we no right so we we, the culture itself is about losers and winners yeah now is that really the the only way you're going to define as a parent how you feel about your kids Mm. my kid must be a winner if he's not he'll be a loser You, you know, is that it? I mean, if we were really honest with young people, we would, you know, if when we'd go into a class and say, here's, here's the statistics, because I, I know what the statistics, they're out there in the public domain. There's 40 kids in this class. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Two of you are going to jail. You know, 40% of you are going to spend more than five years in continuous unemployment. You know what I mean? Three of you are going to go to a top-level university. You know, these are the statistics. Two of them are going to jail. Well, yeah, I mean, if you will, if you do statistics, if you study statistics, you know, um, you know, 40, 40, something like 35 to 40% of you will be obese by the time you're 35, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. That's the truth, right? But we don't play the truth game with young people. We don't, we, we play, we play this conspiracy about you just work hard and do, you know, you know what I mean? And, and it will, it will and, it, and, it, and it's a, it's a massive deception. Mm. And of course, what happens is kids go along with this whilst they're vulnerable yeah. and then they eventually wake up and smell the roses. 
because they start to learn for themselves and then they realize they've been deceived yeah. and, dupl- and duped, mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, five million, is it five, five to eight million people in their 20s with university degrees in the EU unemployed? A university degree is not a passport mm-hmm. to a job or a life. Mm-hmm. It isn't. And there's these big deceptions that have been sort of brought about over the last 20 years. And it's really relevant, I think, for what's going on right now, because if you just take pause as a family, you say, what, you mean it's not about the exam? No, it's not about the exams. It's, you know, what, it, what is it about then? It's about, um, it's about social skills. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about the ability to self-direct. It's about the ability to adapt. It's about the idea that, you, you know, these qualities are now shown to be evidentially by research to be the qualities Mm. that you need to thrive in the future Mm. because a degree from a university isn't that passport that it was Mm -hmm. do you see what i'm saying totally totally, yeah i don't know you want to go look at google i mean google if you go and look at what google look for i mean they put you through all these tests to go and work at google they're testing your emotional intelligence. There's, you know, spiritual quotas. They're, they're testing all sorts of stuff, psychometrics. It's got nothing to do with what you know. Mm. I was going to say, you- um, yeah, I feel, feel like where we are now on the timeline with the way that the technological evolution is happening and the way that young people are communicating and, and, and the wider world, us as well, in our generations, you know, digital um, communication, digital, I mean, probably in the future, remote learning is going to be a much, much bigger thing. Um, yeah. As as parents, and I know you you talk about this in the book, you know, adapting with the kids online and online time, and your anecdotal story before pointed to that, um, Layla. I've actually got a funny one as well, which I'll just drop now. Which was, my kids are kind of obsessed with Michael Jackson at the moment, right now. I'm of the age, I'll be 40 on Monday. So when Michael Jackson was in full swing, I was my kid's age, okay? So there's, like the enthusiasm you guys have shown, like this is happening to me. So I'm watching my, the, the, we've come across YouTube, Michael Jackson's on, we're watching Thriller because they love werewolves, okay? So I've learned enough from John Holt and from Alfie Conn's unconditional parenting as well to sort of trust my nose and whatever they're into, let's follow that. So they're into werewolves. Then werewolves made me think, oh, Michael Jackson, because I'm in bands, I do music, they love music. So I'm like, right, this is a this is a double canon. So we go, I show yeah. them Thriller. Well, this is yeah. it. The world explodes into dance. and But what's amazing, as you said about that buffet and about this connection of emotional intelligence. So we're probably six months into this. I mean, and parents at home listening and watching will know that, you know, you, you, your kids at whatever age are into Thomas the Tank Engine for a period, then they're into Bob the Builder, or then they're into yeah. Frozen, and these periods of absolute yeah, yeah, immersion yeah. happen. Well, this Michael Jackson one yeah. is the biggest one we've had. Now, obviously, when I'm telling friends, the first thing we joke as adults is, oh, you know, you've got to be careful, blah, blah, blah. When, you know, how do you get around that? And it's like, well, you don't, because yeah. you're just celebrating the dancing and the music. And as a parent, I'm yeah. kind of thinking, God, am I, am I, should I be dancing to this and all these things? But what's amazing is, is, it, is they are immersed in this movement, in this enigma of this, this music and this man. But then they start to in all the different video searches that they're doing and we're dancing to the music and Indigo wants to dance to this one and Jesse wants to dance to that one. They're all mastering these different tracks. Then they start asking questions about why does he look different? Okay, so then we start veering off into 
And I'm, I and my wife are of the policy that we talk to them, as you mentioned at the Summerhill Place, the kids are talking to you like adults. We talk to them, I don't sugarcoat yeah. anything. At the end of the day, Bambi dies. That's what happens. This is life yeah. and it's okay, you know. So we, yeah. they asked the questions about why, you know, they found a video, which is a photograph of Michael Jackson. Yeah, Bambi's mum died. Yeah, didn't know that. Excuse me. So they, they found a video, which is kind of a timeline thing of pictures of Michael Jackson from sort of baby to 50. And they're mesmerized because this is an absolute transformation, obviously. What's happened? Yeah. So I, I, my wife and I, we say, well, Michael Jackson had surgery, you know, and it spins off into this, well, what, surgery? And they had little minds. And then, you know, we talk about the public eye, the perception of him. He's five year old. He was a phenom. He was a prodigy. He was this, you know, the world was watching. It wasn't like now when you've got the internet, all this stuff. It was one channel. It was one radio station. It was his family, you know, his brothers. And this whole thing's going off in all these different directions. And they're, you know, they're mesmerized by the emotion, the human emotion. Why would somebody want to change their face and... Yeah. Just yeah. And, and and knowing yeah. what I know now, and again, you you've bolstered it for me, and I hope for people watching and listening, to trust that learning isn't about sitting down, being quiet with a pen and paper and getting it right and hitting the grade or whatever. It's about that that journey of um whatever the inspiration is that captures you in that moment, whatever it is, whether it's the jellyfish and then the space and then the plant and the, you know, yeah. and trusting that this thing is happening. I mean, the reading yeah. anecdote yeah. you gave Layla, my friend who came to give us a chat, Nick, who, who in our village, who, who are unschooling their kids. Cause that, I think they're a couple of the key things that people think about when we're going to unschool yes. or homeschool is socializing and reading and maths. Yeah. So yeah, I was yeah, a bit yeah, like sure. reading, you know, we read a lot. We read to them. They love reading and we read and, and we kind of trust that that will happen. But my friend Nick said, I said, what, you know, what, what about reading? You know, how are you doing it? What's a day look like? He said, well, my boy's seven or I think seven or eight. He said, um, he's taught himself to read. And he sort of said it like that. And I went, right. Okay. <laughs> and he went, well, he loves Star Wars and we'd watch Star Wars. And then we got him the Star Wars book you know, just enormous novel pack. And he read it. Yeah. He's read it like three times. Yeah, 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 and I'm like, well, yeah. he, he said he just he just read it. You know, and, he, you, and then when I listen to John Holt talk and, and you start to learn about how they're absorbing everything all the time and they're trying to reenact yes. what the adults are doing and they're, they've, one, something John Holt said that really stood out to me because my, my middle boy, Jesse, he's left-handed and he seems to write things you know, often spelt correctly, but completely going backwards, right? <laughs> and he's doing his threes. And once upon a time, I'd say, oh, no, not Jesse, not like that, not like this. And then John Holt said something quite poignant, which was to him, that is a three. He knows what that is yeah. and, and it represents yeah, that to him and how he's presenting it to the world. And he will self-correct over time yes, because he reads this yeah. or sees that. And for me to yeah, stand yeah, back yeah. and not, you know, so th these things, I mean, I've digressed a little bit there, but... What I'm coming back to is is a couple of those key things for people listening and watching at home that I hope this is a, a really useful um, and, 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 you know, energised conversation for them to, to be part of is that we're at home with the kids tr to trust ourselves, you know, to trust these children and those couple of key things about socialising. I mean, obviously, the socialising one right now is very difficult, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did want to ask you guys about how you do that, and we'll come to that in a moment. And obviously the reading and the writing, but all of it comes back to the trust. 
I think, just trusting that they are little wizards who are just sucking it all up, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. can I can I make, just want to make another point about learning? Um, yeah. and I'll just tell you a story. So um let's go back uh, what sort of two and a half, three years. So uh, once our girls got got to a certain age, obviously over time they're learning about the world and they understand these things called exams. We never we never made them take an exam ever. Okay. I mean they did at school, but we we never did. We never we never sided with the school about the exams. We were just like, whatever. And then we, but eventually there came a point where we said to them, listen, are, are you aware? Mm. We just want to clue you in that there's this maths and there's English, you know about that. And you know that if in the future you want a job, you know, you might need a qualification. So I'm just putting it out there. This turned into a bit of an ongoing conversation about exams and they got a bit excited, unusually. They mm-hmm. sort of said, oh, exams, what's that? So um, we we said, well, and so we said, okay, well, GCSEs. Oh, a GCSE, what is it? This all ended up with a conversation. So would they, they said, we quite like to do some GCSEs. You know, they're like 12 and a half at this point, 13. Yeah. So a bit young. We said, well, you don't need to do them for a couple of years, but then, but, but maybe you could do one. So they said, well, we'll do one. So what you're going to do? Well, it turns out they speak a bit of Italian because we lived in Italy. They're fluent in Italian. They're fluent now, yeah. And so we said, well, why don't you do an Italian GCSE? said, yeah, okay. So I go off and I look up an independent exam board and find one in Bristol and, I book, and we book an Italian exam. They were, a, they were 14. For a year's time. Yeah. When they took it. Yeah. They were 13 when they started studying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we download all the papers and off they go. They, they sort of lock themselves away in the room with, with past papers and all this kind of thing and timers and the whole thing. <laughs> Cut a long story short, they end up going and sitting and taking the, the um, Italian GCSE. I sit in the waiting room, sweating, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, sweating, <laughs> nervous, looking at the clock, fiddling with my hands, my heart racing. They sit there doing the splits on the floor, mucking about. I'm like, oh. <laughs> The best thing is we wait, they go in, they come out, the door opens, they come out and they're going like this. They're going, wow, wow. We're like, what? It was brilliant. We loved it. I just want to do GCSEs. I just, I just want to do exams. They're saying, we're going like, we're like, yeah, what can we do next? And the guy who runs the centre is standing there with sort of the clipboard. What is going on here? Yeah. A tie, and he's going, Yeah, and I said, I, and, he's, and then he says to us, he said, I've never seen this before. <laughs> and he said, Most children come here, they, they, you know what I mean? Dragged here, so, you yeah. know what I mean? so cut a long story short, we go back home, um, and it's like maths. Now, you've got to, we haven't made them do any maths at this point, um, but we do have an account with Khan Academy, which is, yeah, I know Khan Academy, resource. we've got that, yeah, yeah, it's great, it's great. Um, and so they've got the level of maths of about a nine-year, eight-year-old, seven-year-old. When they're how old? 13, 14. Yeah. They do the entire nine worth, years worth of maths in nine months. Yeah. Nine years of maths wow. in nine months. They're just in there on Khan Academy. Do, do you know what I mean? You know, sitting there just, you know, doing... They're soon, they're, they're starts off, I feel quite powerful because they're coming to me and saying, Dad, can you help me with this? 
within six months, I can't help them with anything. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's way over. They're into ultra you know what I mean? And I'm like, I, I haven't a clue what you're talking about, sweetheart. You know, you know what I mean? Off, off you go. Um, and, uh, you know, so so nine years in nine months, and this cuts to an important point again about Summerhill. When when I, I asked them, I said, you know, do do the kids at Summerhill get exams? Oh, no, most of the kids here get GCSEs and, and, and so on. So, well, how do they get them if they don't go to classes? She said, well, naturally, they suddenly realise, they learn that if they want to be a doctor or an engineer or a botanist or whatever, that they're going to need their, their exams. And what they do is they get interested in the subject and they start learning it. But what they've discovered is that the curriculum, they, that the average time that they take to actually learn is a third of the average. Wow, uh, yeah, yeah. This is a really important point for those parents out yeah. there who are thinking, you know, it's, do you understand the ability to learn is not, it's only told, you're only told it's three years long by the school. Mm. You know what I mean? So we just all buy the, what yeah. they're selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, my daughter did nine years of maths in nine months. They both did. Yeah. You know, to GCSE level and they passed their GCSE. Yeah. So it, it's a really, really critical piece of, yeah. it's another thing that we have to break down, yeah. isn't it? This assumption that all children all have to learn over this time frame in this way. It's just yeah. it's just not true. Uh, can I just add something yeah. to that? And what they did say at Summerhill, which was really interesting, is that they normally take a really deep dive around the age of 15, where they kind of go, oh, oh, okay, what do I have to do to do this? And then mm. they they plunge. And, we're, uh, and so our son is about to hit 15, and he's not followed the pattern that the, our girls have done, but he's now tinkering around with maths, and I'm sort of, sort of waiting to see at what point he's going to take gonna it. Yeah. He, he's yeah. going to tip and it's really it, I still have that voice in me where I'm thinking oh, oh please yeah <laughs> and maybe maybe he won't maybe he'll end up being a pro gamer and kind of make a or a YouTube star I just don't yes. know do you know what I mean so it's a it's a very interesting point and just to go on a bit further about the whole GCSE things with the girls the irony of it was that they ended up getting put into higher maths and they did a, a year, they, they took um, GCSEs at uh, like a sixth form college in a year. Which they, they chose, which, which they is chose. important to say, we never made them go to college. They came to us one day and said, Dad, Mom, yeah. can we talk to you? He said, yeah, we, we want to go to college. Yeah, yeah. And we said, okay, yeah. yeah. what do you want to do? We're Fast track GCSEs. Okay. They did fast you know, track GCSEs. We'll, we'll, just, we'll support you. Yeah. No Brilliant. Yeah. I love and that. They, I love that. that. That's really important. They loved it. They, loved it. they flew through the. They flew through it. They also really loved it because they they hadn't had that experience, you know. So suddenly going back into the education system, they were like, "Wait, what? What? What?" Mm. And it was funny. Thing. It was intriguing. They loved different, you know, different people talking to them and challenging their minds. They they absolutely lapped it up. And and um, somebody called Peter Gray writes a lot about this. He talk, he writes a lot about the transition from uh, unschooling going into systems, into education systems. So often unschoolers who have had all that time playing and had all that freedom, when it comes to education, they just go for it because they they savor it. They yeah. really really want to. They've, they've, it's come from here. They've chosen. Yeah, they've chosen and it. They, exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah, they've chosen, and they absolutely go. They just, they just run with it, and and it kind of makes so much sense. But it's so, you know, it takes a long time to kind of yeah. for that penny to drop, and a lot of faith, really, a lot of faith to let your kids kind of have that whole have that childhood playing and, yeah. and expanding in the way that it's not structured and in the way that we're not taught that mm. it's the way that children learn. You know, so mm. it's quite a it's a 
parents. You know? and, and, I mean, it's also a leap for the parents. That's another thing that's important to just touch on is the fact that when we we're in our in our in my family in particular, you know, he's the crazy son. You know, he's the artist. The, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And um, when we announced that the, that we actually were abandoning schooling, um, there was a sort of you know reduction in temperature. Let's say. Yes. <laughs> You know, most people thought we were nuts. Yep. Um, I'm and, experiencing you know, that and, now and, myself. Yeah, my wife and I. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and in my family, that's difficult I, to experience. I discovered after the event that they were all talking to each other about us. You know, my sisters were still calling my mum up, and you know, there was a lot of concern in the family. Had had he finally lost it? And um, <laughs> and, and and then there was and. Uh, you know, my my mum, she, she's great, my mum, bless her, you know, and we get on really, really great. But she would come around and I, I caught her out doing things like when we left the room with the children, she'd be, I, I would hear her saying, so have you, can you look at this number here? And this bloody well testing them, you know. Um, so, but there's, this is, there's a serious point here, which is that, you know, one of the reasons we wrote the book was because we wanted um, other families to understand that they weren't alone, that there is another road that you can travel mm. and that it's important for us to, to for you yep. and us to talk to important for us to put the message out there that there is another way um, and talk about the milestones and the difficult parts. You, you know, your family may struggle because other people, we even had people arguing with us at parties. You know, we oh, say, our yeah. kids don't go to school. What? And they kind of launch into us, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. sort of aggressively, you know, like, oh, it's a child abuse and yeah. all this irresponsible. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm. yeah, there's a lot of collapsed thinking out there, which, which finds it very, uh, very provocative to offer a very alternative view yeah. of how you can live as a family. And, and it's kind of important. Um, but the irony is, the point about us is we've now been completely rehabilitated in our family because um, my mother famously said, after thinking about it hard, she said, you really do have incredible children, as if the penny had finally dropped. Yeah, it worked. And then what I said was, despite the crazy not sending them to the school thing, yeah. you know, because they're grade A students now, which is hilarious when you think about it. Isn't that hilarious? They're grade yeah. A students. It's hilarious from the outside. Looking in, but actually, the, yeah, the yeah, more yeah. we establish and the wonderful information that you've shared today, the more we establish, and it's so hidden in plain sight. You know, yeah. to be happy, yeah. to be safe, to be secure, to let them lead, and for us to just get out yeah. of the way. You know, and, and I must yeah. point out, I must point out this because this is something I think is. Um, and you alluded to it earlier, whether, you know, it's not, not all of us are in a situation where we're not working three jobs and, you know, mum, yeah. mum's a nurse and she's out tonight and I get in and we're passing yeah. ships and, you know, it's yeah. not easy for people. But also on top of yeah. that, there's a lot of, you know, a relationship. You guys seem like you, you two, and this is why I asked about your parents earlier. You're in harmony, you're mm -hmm. in sync, you know, you're in a healthy relationship yeah. where you're growing together and then that growing obviously spills out and everybody grows in that situation and that is a a huge i think underpinning of that environment yes you know and it is difficult and at this stressful time you know maybe that's not the case for everybody but in the end if we all get out of our own way a little bit the the underpinnings are really that it's just to let them be and then they turn into grade yeah. a students and they come i want to do exams i mean 
If you could, the average 15 year old is not bursting out of the room celebrating the idea of doing exams because of the very things yeah, you've that, said, because we've just led them to it because you're going to do this because this is what you should do. And we miss the point entirely, don't we? Exactly. And I, I just want to pick you up, pick you both up on something about the grade A students. It's not about the grade A. Mm. It's like A.S. Neil says, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather a happy, my son was a happy street sweeper than a miserable prime minister. Yes. You know, so, you know, they happen to have chewed into the education system. They like it. They, they're, they're good at it. They're, they're, they're doing the education system well. And, um, and that's great. You know, another child might not do the education system well, but might chew into something else, might be a filmmaker. And, you know, so it's not about the grades. I just want to say it's not about the grades. No, of course. Grades. No, of course. I wasn't, I wasn't no. making the point. What I, what I was just saying how ironic it is. Yes. That our, our total, in a sense, neutrality yeah, 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 about, yeah. I mean, if they came to me and said, I don't want to go to college tomorrow, I'd that's great. Yeah. You know, if they, if they quit tomorrow. Either, either way. Be, yeah. I, because... It's just not that I'm just saying the irony was the yeah, outside yeah, yeah. world yeah. goes, Well, your children will fail if they don't go to school. And I'm going, Well, ironically, you know, they're grade A students, so mm. go figure nine years old. How does that work? You know, so, uh, and it's not like they, I mean, they're lovely, but they're not geniuses. They're not Einstein. And we're not, you know, mm. yeah. boffin. Yeah. You know, I left school at 16 and never went back into formal education. And, yeah. You know, mm. blah, 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 blah. So, mm. you know, it's, um, it's not as if there's a secret with some kind of anomaly. Yeah. To the system. We're, we're really not actually, you know, um, in that sense. Well, that's that, that's, that's what I think is important for people watching and listening now who might be maybe seeking information on, on their, you know, their own situations at home now with the kids is that there isn't, yeah. there isn't a, you know, there's not some indigo situation where we have to fit all of these, you know, obscure creative or whatever it is it's just it is just to trust and to be there with them isn't it um what i did want to touch on before before we brought it home as well is you guys made a film during the early pandemic months um boom yeah which is we did yeah which is for my money i really really enjoyed it a very kind of beatles-esque psychedelic surrealism kind of depicting the the in the inside of a mind and on, on very different levels. Essentially, I, re- I, I sort of took it to be kind of young people coming to terms with the speed of the world at the moment and, and especially with what's happening in terms of pandemic, but social media, digital currency of likes and what is my value. And you guys did that all together. Um, I will link it in, obviously. It's, I think, just under half an hour, something like that. Really, you're all performing in it. Now, I did think to myself when you were watching, I was thinking, because I'm I'm in a bands and I'm a bit of a control freak, so it's something I'm having to work on myself on as we create this environment of, you know. And I did think to myself, I thought, right, you guys are all performers and obviously you, you're filming everything. And, and, and I thought to myself, bloody hell, this... I've tried to make videos for my songs in the past and you've done some really creative things with shots and framing shots. And and I thought to myself, I wonder in this family, was there times when you may be saying, right, no, we need to rehearse that again and sort of finding yourselves going, oh God, are we, are we on top of this or is this a free thing? Can we get all the gear out? And oh, we're not feeling it right. Put all the gear away. How much of it was just flowing out of you and how much of it was became a bit of a project of work and rehearsal and, and so on? for people to see. I'll probably play a bit as you talk now. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's interesting. What's it, your take? 
Well, my take is, uh, whoa, so it, you see, that's kind of, it's, it, we were, we're stepping into what Ant and I do professionally, you know, so it was in a way, it, it, yeah, was it an unschooling project? Yes, no, yes, and no, it was a life project. So we're stepping in. So if I'm totally honest with myself, maybe, and uh, when I'm stepping into that kind of professional role of writing and kind of be co-directed really. And um, I think that the, we, we, we pulled the kids along into our world and they hadn't done that, that they hadn't really seen that part of us so much. So do you think that's fair to say that? I think we, we so in a way, it's it's not so free form, it's not so unschooling. I think I'm extremely bossy when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> As if you hadn't guessed that already. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's not so free form. So it's kind of almost like um, we're, we're in a different, I'm in a different role. I'm, I'm in my professional role, you know, I'm a trained performer and I'm, uh, I'm Directing is something I can do, and visuals are something I can do. So it's kind of interesting. I think they probably maybe looked at us and like, what, you know? And also, we were quite demanding on them, which we're not normally. We were quite tough, I'd say, on some levels. And also, because we've both been in the film industry, you know, I think there are moments where we're like, you know, it was frustrating because we were Mm. pulling them over. And they did brilliantly, you know. And we also tried to drag our son into it. We didn't want him to be in it. And he was just like, do you know what? I don't want to be turned into a meme. It's not happening. Yeah, fair <laughs> play to him. Yeah. So, so well, um, but having said all that, within all that, when it came to the writing and everything, we 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 cross-referenced with them all the time because we wanted it to be contemporary. And we talked to the girls a lot about, you know, what fits, what doesn't fit, and do you have any ideas? And so they were very much... So it it was half and half, in in my opinion. They were very much involved in the process of it. But there's a lot to do when you make a film. So, I mean, making a film is an incredible Mm. learning curve for everybody. They had to to learn about audio. They had to learn about acting. They had to learn about voiceover. They had to learn about um, shots. They had to sometimes film. They they were doing makeup. I was doing costume. We did everything because we didn't have the budget to do um, to outsource it. And also, we're all in lockdown. So we had to make everything. So it wasn't it was an exchange, but I would say we drove it. And also the year before, we we did um, a theatre show, a circus theatre show called The Last Fairy and the Black Crow Queen, and they performed with us, and we had other circus performers, and we drove the process. So it's kind of interesting. It's a little bit like everything changes a bit because it's our professional world, and um, and there can be a bit of dissonance there. There can be a bit of like. You know, so, but, but it, that's, that's how I feel about it. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, well, I think this is such a, I mean, this, this is a whole nother area to talk about, really, because what, what, what we're really, what you, you're bringing out into the conversation here is, some, is, is really about what, what does it mean to collaborate with other people? And, 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 and how does that travel over time through a family? So when you've got young kids, um, you know, we, we we follow the kids, like you said, and it's, it's all that kind of thing. But of course, you know, you're not doing that when they're 22, right? So clearly, there's a transition that's taking place. And so, as as the kids get older, everyone has to adapt. The behaviour you're using with a six-year-old, seven-year-old is not the behaviour you'd be using with a 12-year-old. It's not the behaviour using with a 16-year-old. And I think this is this is again something that where you know when I talk to parents. You know, they, they're still trying to use the same toolkit with their 16-year-old as they were using yeah. with their seven-year-old. 
and they're wondering why it wasn't working. So, uh, and really, because, you know, what about leadership? What about assertion? What about um, creative responsibility? What about, these are all things which are as much about having an adult life as, as anything else, right? So um, when you're a film director, you are in a position of responsibility. If you're a band leader or if you're the lead, you know what I mean, mm. whatever it is, these are natural structures which need to coalesce in order for things to get made and done. And so mm. I loved what you said earlier. You said, so I can't remember exact, your exact words, but you sort of basically said, Children are like sponges. They're, they're watching everything you do. Well, that's very true. If you want to teach leadership to young people, uh, you can give them a book on leadership yep. or you can be, be a leader. leader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and as a parent, you know, I mean, if you want the kids, so they're looking at you and they're going, you can say, well, you know, this is how you do it. But, you know, they'll go, yeah, and now what are you going to do? And then if there's, they immediately go, well, he says that, but he doesn't do it. You, you know what yeah. I mean? So, so th this is relevant, really, to your question, because the film the film was about us stepping into different roles. Yeah, me stepping into the role of of what it, what what I need, what how I need to create my vision, and that that means we change. I'm going to ask you to do things. I'll need you to say yes. I'll need. I won't have time to explain. Yep. And and that's very exciting, isn't it? Because what they learned from that, what we were modelling for them, if you like, was there's other ways to to be. Yeah, yeah. In the world, and it isn't just about me constantly following them. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I would say that we we have quite a lot of tension between us and our kids now, in a good way. Yeah. About washing up, about looking after the family, about opposing needs, about is there enough money for things? I mean, there's yeah. lot, there's lots of places where we have to engage, and you no, know, you can't have that because we don't have the money, or you can't, you know. Yeah. And, and so. This is another whole part of the discourse about yeah. unschooling, really, about that, that Tra transition. going along that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Transitioning into teenagehood and, and what we, how we must trim our behaviour and, and the way we are. And we have to let go of things. Mm. We, we, have to, we have to let go of, of you know, infantilising our children because we want to when they're babies and then we have to stop of course you know so when when you're making the you film know. then guys was was it yeah. when you're having those tensions and the and, and the girls are adapting to professional mum and dad and you know we all know we all hear the stories of when you're on a film set you're on there at four o'clock in the morning and you're doing a 17 hour day and we've got this time to catch this light and blah 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 so you know, they adapt. I imagine this tension and, oh, I'm tired. Oh, we've got to do it again. Yeah, I need to do it again. We didn't get it that time. But did you get to the point at the end, you know, through that pilgrimage, I like to call those things pilgrimage. You know, when I do videos for music and stuff, it can be a drag. It can be a drag because you're doing it and doing it again. It's a long day. And But then yeah, when you yeah, see yeah. that finished product, when you see that production, when you see the bells and whistles and the co- the coercion and the, and the cohesion of all of that work yeah. and that yeah. the stress and oh, on that day even a look at this scene when you're swing, you know, swinging on the tree or whatever it might be you know I love yeah. the sequence where you and the girls are doing the trying to drag their um, suitcases and I imagine you know the pain oh it's hot we've got to do it again but then when they see it finished and it's in flow with everything else the reward yeah, I'm shouting yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it again I'm doing it again shut up and that, that day was 
These are things I'm thinking, having been in this world myself, you know, so, and, 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 yeah. and I'm, I'm attaching it to the future and what might happen when my kids, like my little boy came in overnight, can we do a podcast daddy? And can we do this? And can we do that? And Aww. we sit and we do it. And, you know, he's making songs, he's learning garage band at the minute. And I, I get on my garage band, try and find my projects. And there's like 30 projects of like, you know, 10 bars, 12 bars and him doing Michael Jackson woos and, He's managed to put, but, but all by the by, what I'm getting at with you guys is, is with the girls. So that journey for them, I assume at the time there'd have been, you know, that transition's happening where they're thinking, oh God, this isn't as much fun as I thought it might be or, but then they get to see it at the end. Then they realise as all young people do that that work and that commitment results in something and that it'll, that will be there forever. That, that, that move is there as a timeline sort of pinpoint of, I imagine in the future, a lot of learning would have happened there for those guys and yeah. adapting, yeah. you know, and then seeing that beautiful yeah. finished piece as well, which I'm showing as we speak. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, that's, it. that's a good point. And also um, what I was going to say was, you know, that when you go into stressful situations like that, you, that's where the quality of your relationship with the people you're working with matters. Yeah. You know, the thing is that, that, that what we've always done with, with with the, with children is because we've always treated them with respect. We've always we've never shamed, blamed, or made them wrong. Um, we've never you know. And I personally have always made sure to keep to keep the 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 communication clear. So if I've been an uh, been an arsehole on set. Which which I can be. I mean, they even joke about it. You know, fascist yeah. photographer. Really yes. you know, I'm really bossy. <laughs> like, you know, like, 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 off, like off the scale bossy, yeah. Sam. Like, yeah. like, but we've got this relationship yeah. behind us, and and they know why I'm doing that, and they know that I'm reaching for something, and they know also that if I overstep, that I will come back and own it. Yeah. And and I do. I've always, with my kids, I've always, if I've acted out and behaved badly, and trust me, I have. You know, I've always made a point going yeah. back to them saying what I said, what I did, that was not okay. And I, I want to apologize to you, you know, and if there's a makeup, so I can make to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm constantly, constantly been cleaning that thing. Um, and th that is the investment that you made in the relationship because ironically, then you can get away with a lot. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, it's the trust you've built, you've built the trust, you've built that trust yeah, and that, yeah. you know, when we're in the unknown, uh, but and we're, but we're yeah. there together, you know. We we do right. we do yeah. find that trust, and especially when you're younger, looking up at your dad, you know, or your mum, you know, somewhere along the line that comes through. And, and for me, as you mentioned earlier, aunt, looking back on your childhood, and you come to a young manhood and find punk, and you start to listen to lyrics or different perspectives, or you're in that other house and you see that other way, you start to connect the dots in your own life, and you realise, oh, maybe that trust or that openness wasn't there for me. And I, that, I know I feel like that, you know, and then I start to realise, oh, my behaviours when I went in that direction and was, you know, maybe wasn't a great direction for me. A lot of that was because that trust just never got built yeah. and I didn't have anyone to trust and I need to find it. But there's a fear in not having that trust. So then you act out and maybe you push things away. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. And, and for your girls to joke with you and, you know, fascist photographer and what have you, that's lovely because that's what it is. We, we, we can joke about it. We can poke yeah. fun at dad yeah you know and yeah. still arrive at this wonderful end product so i'll tell you something else you just triggered it in my 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 I, um you know as, as the girls are getting up getting older um people would say to us have they entered the terrible teenagers yet 
And we'd say, well, no, you know, they said, oh, don't, don't worry. They will. They mm. will. And a year ago. So, so are they, how is it at home? No, things are great at home. Have they gone into the terrible team? No, they, they will. And they never have. Yeah, they, we, you know, everyone said, "No, don't worry. You'll be rowing. You'll be fighting. You'll be." It's never happened. It's never happened. Mm-hmm. And I think I put that down to the fact that we, we, we did our best to, you know, not give them cause to to say that their freedom was curbed. You, you yeah. know, they, yeah. they, they, what's what's to rebel against? We'll probably be there rebelling with them if they want to rebel. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And they wanted to go on XR marches and we went on XR marches with them and we dressed up on we went in costume and you know and we we just we just sort of said yes to everything really. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well listen guys, I, I, I wanna thank you again for your time, you know, that you've given not just to me and my little quest with my wife and my family, but like I say viewers, listeners, learners who might, might come across this, this conversation and it might give them um, that little bit of internal belief or a little bit of trust or a trigger just to move on and maybe grab, grab a book or visit Summer Hill or whatever yeah. it might be. And yeah. I'd love to probably do this again with you guys if, if you'd be up for it, you know, as I go through my journey because I'm right at the start, you know. We took our, kid, our, we took our kids out in November, I think. And so, um, you know, we really are at the beginning of this journey um but thank you so much for your time obviously the book um jump full fly you have got all sorts of stuff as you've mentioned professionally so where do we send people to find you if you want to be found and um i will link everything in yeah we want to be found, we love being found. Um, jumpfullfly.com yeah yeah and um yeah, yeah you know from there you can click around and 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 you can find the book on there and the book's on amazon as well there's a new edition coming out um shortly as Excellent. well updated and on instagram you can find us at unschooling the kids yeah so anybody who wants and i and i'm really happy to um respond to people because i kind of there were there weren't people there for me for us when we were starting out and i was like i had no roadmap so i i i really like to sort of help people if they need well that's the whole reason we're, we're having this now because i i i did that search in there I say something to you, Sam, as well, which was, first of all, you know, it's great that you're doing this work and doing this podcast. And uh, there's a lack of men in this conversation. You might have noticed that. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot of, I think, I don't know what that's about. I think a lot of fathers struggle, struggle with, I, there's a lot of women who get in touch and say, I really understand and I want to do it, but my partner won't go along with it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important for the, for there to be more fathers talking about this journey yeah, and, so and what it's been like to be a dad in the unschooling frame, yeah. you know, over no. time. So um, that's great to see you are a man. Thank you. No, but I think I just think that's important. Yeah, uh, I, agree. Have, I agree. I agree. I agree. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure and I'm, I'm really humbled by being in your company your energy is just so pure and true and abundant and colorful and i know from like i say looking through the instagram and seeing the girls and um not your son so much like you say he's out of the way a bit isn't he he's doing his thing Respect that I kind of sometimes want to put him up, and he's like, "If you put me up, I love that. I love that that because that gives you that other dynamic, doesn't it, to learn and to deal with and to be with, and that's wonderful." Um, 
It's great. So thank you, guys. I will link everything in the description. I will link the book in. I mean, you sent me a PDF of the book, which I've been reading at the computer, but I've ordered the book. I've ordered a copy from Amazon myself, so I will give that a shout on the on the podcast as well. I will send people where I can to you. I'm going to be covering this more and more and more in the future because, you know, like I say, it's my experience, and I think people will really benefit from at least being privy to these conversations. So thank you, guys, and we wish you well yeah. in this crazy upside-down world we are in. Yes, yeah. take care. Bye bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Chew the Chat podcast. Thank you for listening to Chew the Cat podcast. I want to say my own words. Go on then. Very angry. There you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Such a buzzing, buzzing uh, interaction for me, that was. You know, I'm really trying to piece together the plan with my wife and how we adapt to this scary move. It's a scary move. And it's such a big, trusted, rigid system like education to, to, to you know, to turn your back on it, essentially, you know, and not in a disrespectful way, you know, school works for lots of people. It really does. You know, it's, there's no two ways about it, you know, but the feeling I have in my gut about seeing my children develop and looking at the future and looking at the way the world's changing and having dived into some of the science and reading the the books and reading the peer reviewed papers and really getting down into the nitty gritty as, as this podcast has always maintained its position that it's about is, trajectory of children that become adults and how do we end up being somehow just okay not broken not part of something fractured and you know full of anxiety and depression and not fulfilling our potential and not being at peace and not being ultimately happy just surviving just grinding it all happens when you're a kid and everything in our life is pointing towards just trusting our instincts and going with it you know and creating a little world and if the kids decide they want to do this or do that. That's what we're going to do. Obviously, as as Aunt and and Layla point out, you know the parameters are in place. You know we're teaching morals. We're teaching, um, you know, objective, understood, you know, parameters of of being a human being. You know, but so much of it comes from knowing that you're doing it yourself. We 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 underestimate how much children are absorbing and learning and creating on their own and we need to trust that and so I hope that's helped people I hope you know for those of you at home and you know zoom in school and got to get this much done and when you're not happy we need five pieces of work every now and let you know just trust yourself relax if you're enjoying being with your children if you if you do decide to pick up jump fall fly link in the description for this podcast below the book you know other books that I can also point you towards that have been absolutely mind-blowing for me uh, I've talked about a lot on the podcast is How Children Learn, John Holt. We mentioned it during the podcast. And another one um, that I'm reading for the second time now, again, which is Unconditional Parenting by Alfie Kahn, which is a, essentially it's a parenting book, but it also just gives the full the full range of understanding to what it is to guide young people into becoming adults. <laughs> You know, whether that's through learning, through relationships, through an understanding, you know, the the, the, the core underpinning um, reasons to, to pay a bit of attention to something other than just a school system and do as you're told by me, 
because I know best, you know, there's, there's, we can learn a lot from the children. So um, I, I would link those in as well. And you can, you can follow up there if you, if you are thinking about just reading a little bit, maybe, maybe picking up some of this stuff. Thank you to the guys. It was amazing. And we we're going to do that again in, in the future and in the flesh, because I'd love to meet the guys and really delve into some, some angles um, in real time. So that'd be great. And thank you very much for, for the time to Ant and Layla and their beautiful family. Okay. So, I'm going to leave you to it. I'm going off now to, I've been asked to be on Sean Atwood's podcast, on the True Crime podcast, as it starts to shift away from just true crime and become a bit more um, eclectic, I guess, in its subject matter. So um, I've been invited on there and I'm going to go and chat all things Chew the Chat and um, meet Sean and discuss a bit of my upbringing, no doubt. So really looking forward to that. We're heading over there today, producer Aidan and I. So, really really inspiring moment for me because Sean's podcast is one of the UK ones at least on YouTube was one of the ones that I thought you know what yeah I really enjoy this he's talking to young men who are coming out of prison who have turned corners who've been in the system have been systemized have become institutionalized uh, and it's meant a lot to me that podcast and Sean's work as he digs deep as he's writing his novels and writing his books regarding conspiracy and the whole uh, Epstein thing he's covered probably one of the elite on planet earth for covering Epstein I just love it he's, he's chasing some kind of truth and uh, I'm looking forward to meeting him so excited about that today and we've got loads of cool stuff coming up in episodes and we've been doing these episodes live on Twitch now so as we record them so behind the curtain for you guys because as you know it these audios just drop on a Monday and you grab them and for people who are sort of grabbing YouTube and this in between depending on what they're on and where they are YouTube we go out 8 o'clock on a Friday night we premiere these episodes on the Friday before the Monday they come out so that's where you see them first but now you'll have the option to see them on Twitch as young Aiden is streaming them out on Twitch so they will just stream in the moment live all warts and all, so piss breaks, beer breaks, fucking technical issues, all will all be there. And that'll be as as it happens, whenever it happens, so they'll be totally random. I might do a little p- promo on, on um, you know, Instagram to say we're going to be twitching tonight at so-and-so time or today at so-and-so time, but that'll be it. So if you're in Twitch, you'll just see us pop up and then you can get behind the curtain and see them live in that moment and then they'll disappear as soon as the, the stream's finished and then they'll just come out as they do here. So it's just a little a little inside vibe for people if they want to join us live in the moment. And you can also hit us in chat in there. You can post questions, you can put stuff in, you can get involved. And as time goes on when we're doing this twitching stuff and the live streaming we will obviously um make a bit of a point of that and get people involved but um yeah we'll see you over there so listen i'm off i've got to get in the house it's early doors i want to see my children before i get off and over to sean so take care of each other love one another trust yourselves because your instincts are the truest thing you're ever going to know so yeah be safe people lots of love peace